Dave here, kids. Uh, welcome to Signal of Doom. This is just a short jump shot before the start of the regular show. Uh, very sombre news this morning. We got the news that uh, Shane Warne had sadly passed away uh, of a heart attack, age 52. Um, yeah, I've been so sad. Uh, and such, such, such a great player. And such a great personality and entertainer. Um, for American listeners who might not know, uh, Shane Warne was like a premier leg spinner. Uh, of all time, uh, and he was an Australian player in the 90s and 2000s, and uh, pretty much he accomplished everything you could do on the cricket field. He won everything, um, World Cups, um, you know, Ashes wins, wins against the West Indies, South Africa, beat, us all, beat them all, India, in India. Um, our most successful spinner by a long way, I think. Uh, took over 700 test wickets. And it was a great personality and um, gave a lot to cricket. I mean, got a lot and gave a lot. And um, he, um, after his cricketing career, only flourished, it seems, as a pundit, uh, at times a captain, a coach of different teams, um, a great commentator, very insightful, uh, was a funny guy, uh, loved his own publicity, loved his own hype, and uh, frankly, we loved him for it. Um uh, he lived life to the fullest, uh, a life, you know, fully fully lived, and um, very sad uh, to get the news this morning. I woke up to the news, my sister had texted me, and, and actually I almost didn't understand what, what she, she was saying, um, and I thought he might have been caught in some hijinks and kind of chuckled, thinking, oh, classic warning, he's going to have done something wrong. Um, affectionately, I'm saying that as well, and then... Oh, the awful reality just crashed in seconds later. and um, But I, I choose to remember him from his playing days, mostly. I mean, he was in one of the greatest teams of all time, probably the greatest team, in my opinion, the, the 90s and uh, 2000s Australian cricket team. Uh, he was a, a linchpin of that. He was the match winner. Um, and there are so many things like I, I I honestly I was talking to my tennis coach this morning and I honestly don't think I missed a test when he was playing I, I really think I saw just about every single one um, was constantly calling for him to be tossed the ball uh, he was constantly tossed the ball he took a ton of wickets a great partnerships Glenn McGrath and other bowlers but um uh, I remember seeing, I remember his first test where he played against the Indians and Ravi Shastri got a big double 100. I actually remember it well. And um, you could see he had lots of potential. Uh, even though he didn't get wickets that day, he eventually got Shastri up, but he went for plenty. But you could see there was potential. I remember he took wickets in Sri Lanka and against the West Indies. And, and you know, early in his career, um, you know, he, he would go for a few runs, but he takes, you could see there was a lot of potential. And then he went to. Um, England, there was a lot of hype on this leg spinner, you know, we're going to play the English first ashes, and and I and I still recall watching live that, that match, and that first ball they're getting, the ball of the century as they call it, um, outside leg stump, spun back and took off, and, um, you know, and then basically, you know, the the party really started for Shane Warne, and, um, and the plaudits really started rolling in, and um, he never looked back, honestly, I, you know, um, <laughs> And, you know, there were there were occasional setbacks. Um, he got done for a year of, of something or other. And on, on a World Cup, um, on a World Cup, I recall, and um, <laughs> hours before the match. But, you know, he came back from that even, even you know, and took plenty more wickets. Um, 
you know, and I think a lot of players couldn't, people, just people in general, couldn't actually handle the highs that he experienced. And, you know, I mean, lows is, a, I don't know if they were lows, but the set, some of the setbacks, and some of them were caused by, you know, his own, you know, kind of like foolishness and stuff. But he always bounced back strong um, and came back better and was such a dangerous player. I mean, my God. Um, I, I recall before I watched this. My favourite, actually, memory is it's a it's an obscure match to all but the hardened Australian cricket fanatic. Uh, the '96 World Cup semi final against the West Indies. I recall it well. I was out with mates uh, during the Australian innings. It was a must win match to win the semi to go through the final, and we didn't score many runs in the first innings. And, and in fact, it looked like we were done. Um, and I, I went. I had. I always had a lot of faith though, and I. I, I don't remember recall exactly the, the the scenes, but I. I know that I, I. sort of made the decision. Okay, I'm going to get home and watch the rest of this um, match. And I got home, and I was watching, and the West Indies were cruising towards victory, cruising, and it was not a challenge. You know, we we just didn't look like we could get through, and. They threw, you know, Warney had bowled a few overs, and you only have a certain amount of overs left. He threw the ball to Warney, took a wicket, and then it all started. It all turned around, and it was a team effort. But he was a linchpin in it, and that's what I choose to remember Warney for. He was part of a great team, but he was a match winner in that team. And um, the memories, you know, they're all good, frankly, from me regarding Shane Warne. I think he was a magnificent player, and I think he did so much for. Uh, leg spin and for cricket and for sport and for Australia, frankly. Um, and he's been offered a state funeral, and rightly so. Um, fully deserves one. Um, you know, thankfully he was one of those guys who flourished post-cricket career. You know, some people, when they give up their sporting um, career, you know, struggle. Um, he wasn't one of those people. I mean, he really flourished. I mean, he dated Liz Hurley, um, <laughs> which I still think is a massive claim to fame. Um, and, you know, and he had many successes. Like, he, he, he was a merchandising machine. Uh, and, you know, his greatest product was himself. And I feel sorry for his family. Um, you know, he's passed away way too young, way too young. He had so much left to give. Uh, he was involved in cricket. Like, in the 100, he was involved in commentary. Um, I mean, the loss is massive to Australian cricket. That's how much Shane Warne gave. He was enormous um, for us. And... I can only say Val Shamorn and um, we will miss you and, you know, Signal Doom salutes you uh, full. You know, six-gun salute, 12-gun salute, whatever it is. Um, in my mind, the greatest, frankly. In, in the Australian Cricket Hall of Fame, uh, he's right up there uh, alongside Don Brabham, you know. Um, and he was in a great generation and a great team and he was a, a match winner within that team and he will always be remembered as a, you know... Beyond legend, I don't even know what the beyond that what even the next plot it is, but he's enshrined forever in our memory as one of the greatest of all time. Hey, this is Chuck Dixon, and you're listening to Signal of Doom. Well, you know, for me, the action is the juice. I'm in. Hello and welcome to Signal of Doom. I'm Dave and I'm here with Richard. Rich, how are you going? Hello, hello, hello. Not too bad. Not too bad. That's good, man. And uh, it's great to have Richard in the house. We we had a little movie date. Uh, was it last night, Rich? 
Uh, we we went yes, and saw the Batman the, together. We, had a last night. we did, yeah. There was no sex, unfortunately, and uh, it's always a minus when that doesn't happen on a date. But you know, I paid for I paid for the I paid I didn't pay for a meal. I cheapskate Dave. Uh, I, I got I got to play I got to play hard to get. If I had to get, yeah, gotta make you know. him look for it. Exactly, yeah. Just yeah, it's cash, cash, cash. You know, you, you can you can buy your way there, but there's a price. There's a price tag. <laughs> I love it. Um, so anyway, we saw the Batman uh, last night, a little film that our listeners may have heard of. Um, uh, you know, a, a character that they're probably familiar with, Rich, would you, would you agree? Like the Batman, most comic book fans have heard of this character. He's not an unknown quantity. I think they have. I mean, he's a bit of an indie darling, but I think... <laughs> indie yeah. darling, yeah, yeah. He's creator-owned. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, so he he's saw that. He's flown under the radar for a, a lot of years, but I think he's getting his. He's uh, flown under the radar for the last uh, two months <laughs> while they've been getting ready for this movie. Um, so we saw that last night, and we're going to do an in-depth review. And there's going to be spoilers, kids. And and frankly, I'm I'm at the point now where we're two fifty-six episodes in. I don't give a fuck if someone complains to me about spoilers. You're talking to the wrong person. You're talking to a fucking wall. You know what I mean? Like. Go elsewhere if you're that kind of, like, sort of pansified, pussified individual that, like, you know, falls into a million pieces if they hear a spoiler. You know what I mean? Hey, he's a spoiler. Bruce Wayne's Batman. Deal with it, kids. You know? And, yeah, shock horror. Um, so there'll be spoilers in this show. But we're going to do a full review. We're also doing a full review of um, the new Scream movie, which I saw. Um, but Richard, uh, since last week, how have you been going? I saw you last night. You look pretty healthy. Obviously, the virus hasn't somehow hasn't in- infected you. I'm not sure how, but it hasn't. I told you, I've decided that I'm immune. So it's it wouldn't surprise me at all. It wouldn't surprise you. You you, you basically take no precautions. You you don't care, um, and you have kind of a devil may care attitude about the whole thing, which has served you well. You know, interesting. Well, yeah. Well, so far, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, I'm exactly. Informed. And at your work, because we've had people at our work, we're obviously working remotely, I've been working remotely for a fucking long time, um, but people, you know, different people have, have caught it that I, that I know, and I certainly don't poll people at work, but I, you know, sort of close friends and stuff at work, that have, they've had it. Have you had a lot of people at your workplace go down with it? Uh, I'd say at least half. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. All right. Wow. See, that's what I'm convinced yeah. they didn't get it at work. So that's the thing. I think they've gotten outside of work. Well, they well could have. I mean, you, God knows where you get it. Like you get it in a petrol station, walking by someone. You know, I I was walking uh, the other day. I was I, I went into the city a couple of times, two weeks in a row for lunches and a dinner. And and I was walking by a guy, and I gave him a we. He was he wasn't homeless, but you know those guys who are right on the edge of homeless. And he just looked like he was struggling for form, and he was coughing and spluttering. And geez, I did, I did a massive detour around this guy. I was like, you know, I was I was <laughs> like, fuck this guy. Like I, I I was almost ready to call the cops and say, just pull this prick away, put him in some you know sanatorium or something like something to get him out of the city, just spreading a disease like wildfire. Nothing annoys me more, and I won't mention any names, but I can think of people at the workplace who've come in with massive flus and just spread it like crazy, and it's so selfish. You know, it's just like seriously, think about what you're doing. Like, you're you're so infected. You, you're harming the productivity of the workplace. Like, you know, it's just been crazy. I agree with you with that, but in, in, in terms of that guy, more than likely, uh, if he is sort of 
almost homeless or whatever. It's generally not a disease or whatever. It's, it's usually like poor health, you know, like tuberculosis or um, yeah, well, whatever, man. Whatever the, the fuck he's got, I don't want like, it. You know, I'm like just saying, I don't. Well, I don't think you would get it. Is my point. Well, who knows? Who the fuck knows? I don't. I don't. You know, like, <laughs> dude, he's crawling with a. I, I guarantee you, you ran him through a few physical. He's crawling with a thousand diseases. You know, there's there's barely a disease this guy hasn't got. And I'm, you know, I would, I would have just walked past him and gone mm, gross. But I, I did a huge detour. Fuck walking past him. Like <laughs> technically, I walked past him, but at a massive distance and giving him massive glare as well. But he was struggling for form, Rich. He barely knew where he was. Like. You know, this was a guy, you know, he could be dead by now. It's been a week later and, uh, you know, it's, I mean, it's sad, I guess. Like, this is the byproduct of civilization where, you know, there are winners and losers. And unfortunately, these guys, you know, it's cashed out the wrong way for them and it's a one-way trip to the graveyard. They exist in the animal planet as well, not just civilization. Yeah. Well, it's a one-way trip to the graveyard. Winners and losers. Yeah. Always winners and losers. Yeah. One day you're riding high and the next day, you know, that's life. That's like riding low. <laughs> yeah, well, well, yeah. One day you run up, but then when you're riding real low, as low as it gets. Now, I do want to say some sad news. Oh, before we move on to my uh, press announcements, Rich, uh, what have you been doing the last week? Reading, watching, what's been going on? Uh, Obviously, I've been Batman. playing a bit of uh, Warhammer Three. So, um, Warhammer Three. Okay. Uh, Total War Warhammer Three. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You had a job this week, which was to do a Total Warhammer 3 review. So do you want to give us the listeners the pitch? Uh, I can do a review in progress. Um, yeah, review in progress. That's it's, fine. It's, 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 it's fun. How does it compare to like Total Raw? How does it compare to Total Raw? All the changes they've, they've made, because, I mean, my favorite is still uh, Total War Warhammer 3, uh, 1. Okay. Um, but I'm busy playing as the Ogre Kingdom. Okay. Uh, at the moment, uh, I just like having these big fat guys who look like Mongolians but sound like pirates. That sounds cool. That does sound cool. Yeah. And yeah, is it like a, a normal Total War game? Is it like a normal, like you have armies and politics and all that kind of stuff? So, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've got the. Uh, it's not. Uh, it's not in depth when it comes to like the the, the politics and all that sort of stuff. It's very uh, surface level stuff. Mm. Um, but it's mainly about um, what, one of the reasons I like uh, the Warhammer franchise is that every faction plays very differently mm. from the others. You know, the problem, like, well, I mean, the problem, but I mean, when you're playing historical games, it's, it's usually a lot of the same units. You know, uh, all factions kind of have the, the access to the same units, mm. you know, whether it be infantry, cavalry. Oh, mind you, if you, if you play the Mongolians and all those kind of braces, they've got some different uh, stuff to like the English. You know different battle conditions too, but I know what you mean. There's a lot more variety in Warhammer for sure. Yeah, well, with this, yeah, with this one you've got like monstrous units. You you're know, right. You've got flying units, um, which is a big part of the attraction like... of this game. This, this big part of the attraction of this spin-off. Would you agree? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, plus you're playing in that um, that sort of fantasy Warhammer yeah um, uh, realm, which is is quite fun. And again, and, and everything's over the top. You know what I mean? Mm. That's why I said like. The ogres, they look like Mongolians, but sound like pirates. It's all very, like, dialed up to 11 it's cool. type of stuff that it's just, like, it's fun. So, I, I'm enjoying it. I haven't – I'm not too far into it, obviously, because I can't play it every day. But um, Why? I, Why I can't you play it every day? Thing. Why can't you play well, every day? I've got, day? Work, and, <laughs> I've got work and other things. But, dude, cut, cut all that. Like, dude, I'm going to remind <laughs> you of something, Richard. You're single. You, you know, you're flying solo. You're living the dream. You've got your own pad. Uh, if I was you, I would I would cut out 
every unnecessary element of my life other than playing mean, Total War. You, you mean like not going to go watch the Batman? Uh, yeah, well, the Batman was a show commitment. The Batman was a show commitment. But, <laughs> but I should cut out the show then so I can play the game. No, no, no. Oh, slow down. Slow down, big guy. Slow down, big guy. <laughs> you, you you signed before the blood gods. Um, no, I, I'm talking oh, like yes. I'm talking like friends, girlfriends, no family. No, no. I had a I, I had a I had a couple of friends over <laughs> on uh, Wednesday night during the rain, and we had a, a horror socialism, a horror marathon, which was nice. no invite for Dave. Nothing for Dave. Jeez, nothing at all. Uh, well, <laughs> it was a full house. I don't know. <laughs> to... No, no worries, Rich. I understand. It's a big, <laughs> big couch you got there, though, Rich. I could have slid in somewhere. You would have thought, like, you could just imagine me up the end. Everyone's going, "Who's this guy? Who? Where? Why is this guy here?" And I'm like, "Hey, look!" I just turn up with a with some sugar. I thought you needed some sugar. <laughs> Bottle of milk I brought around as well, Rich. More like, more like you came to borrow some sugar, but then you. Uh... <laughs> He said, can I ask, uh, what well, you doing? Uh, well, what you doing? Like oh, it looks like a horror movie night. Oh, there's no room on the couch, Dave. Oh, I'm happy to sit on the floor. Oh, the floor's pretty full, too. <laughs> um, so what was the horror movie? Like, what, what kind of stuff were you watching? Uh, we, we, we watched a couple of different stuff. Um, we watched uh, uh, Tremors. We watched classic. Uh, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, Not a bad movie. I've uh, seen we, it, yeah. we even watched a classic uh, House on Haunted Hill. The original. I've seen um, that a million years ago. Uh, Price one. Oh, not that um, one. I've watched something else. I think. Yeah. Well, there's a re- there's two versions. There's the color and the black and white of the original. And then there's also the remake that they did. I'm pretty. I want to com- say early two thousands, maybe. I'm pretty confident I've seen the remake. I just remember the name yeah. more than anything. Um. Yeah. And uh, was that it? Wow. Well, that's a few movies. I mean, that's like that's a long yeah, night. That, yeah, just those three movies. Yeah. So what you did this on a on a on a school night, or was it on one of your nights where you were on leave? On, on, uh, you know, no, yeah, it was, well, I have I have Wednesday Thursdays off. That's from, right. from my normal job. That's and right. So, That's your uh, weekend, my isn't friend it? Was like, hey, let's uh, do, do you want to hang out on Wednesday ah. night or whatever? And then we so. uh, um, invited uh, some of the other. Yeah. Quite a party was going on. Yeah, like, everyone's. Oh, I just around. had some, just had some pizzas and it was, some know, pizzas. Oh wow, it's getting better and better. Pete, was there alcohol? Was it soft drinks? What was the story? Of course, there was. No, 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 no. Alcohol was there, there was there girls there? Yes. Oh, oh man, you like you know, you know, could have been. They could have thrown a lifeline out today there, just like you know, at some point, like oh, we're flooding around. We've got this party atmosphere going. I didn't like. I didn't know if you wanted to be like a fifth wheel, so. Uh, probably not. Probably not. But but you are painting a nice picture. Beats the hell out of whatever I was doing on Wednesday. I don't even remember what I was doing. Well, like, as you, you said, know. Dave, I am a bachelor in a bachelor pad. I am taking that's, advantage of it. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, that's exactly right. Did you like my suggestion? They cut it all out. But then you're painting this picture of this kind of like soiree that's going on, and I'm pretty impressed. Were people blazing? Were people lighting up the? Were people like lighting up and stuff as well, watching the movies, or was it just strictly alcohol? No, just 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 alcohol. I'm trying to make more people doing lines on the on the table. Yeah, we haven't got that far yet. Maybe maybe later, like if we're not getting a bit bored or something hard, people maybe. doing lines on the table, and Dave's just at home playing Elden Ring, uh, Kentucky into bed. That is Elden Ring, by the way. Well, okay, so you've given your Total War uh, Hammer review and uh, the insight into your social life. And um, Elder Ring's good. Uh, it's it's challenging and hard, uh, but very good. Um, 
kind of a bit obsessed by it. Like, I've been playing it, like, late at night. Just before I go to bed, I'll, I'll play, like, a quick hour, hour and a half. It's quite tiring to play. It's a challenging game, Rich. I don't know if you know this about Elden Ring, but... Yes, well, I do. <laughs> it's fantasy based, and um, but when you there are all these save points scattered around everywhere because it's open world, but it's kind of a weird open world. It's not like a Skyrim. It's it's a bit more I would say video gamey. Like it feels all a bit more artificial. So you're rolling around, you come across these things called sites of grace, and they're basically rest points and save points and whatever. But and when you rest, you recover all your health and your your flasks mm. and all this shit. But also, what happens is all the monsters that you've killed um, all yeah. come back instantly as soon as you rest. So it's a it's a it's a weird game. Um, it's interesting. Oh, because you because you haven't played the uh, um, the Souls games. Have you? I played one for about five minutes, and and yeah. it, I just that, that, that's a it. staple of the Soul games is that any time you save, mm. like you get to like a campfire or whatever, yeah, everything uh, respawns. Yeah, it's interesting, uh, and the, it's challenging as fuck, actually. And, uh, like, it's it's kind of fun, though, because you come across a lot of... The graphics are really good. You come across a lot of, like, massive monsters that, like, you just... Like, my guy's, like, level 17, and he's pretty shit. You know what I mean, like, at this point? Like, mm. you have to run away from a lot of stuff, and there's a bit of strategy involved, and, and I've kind of got an area where I'm grinding a little bit to, to build up levels. I've sort of got a little which they've obviously put in there for beginners, you know, to sort of uh, get some easy, not easy kills, but not incredibly hard kills. Um, but I've done a bit of exploring, and, yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, it's it's pretty wicked. Dion's actually, for once in his life, been helpful because uh, he played all the <laughs> Souls games and always raves on about, like, how I only like easy games. It's way harder than Assassin's Creed. And Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which, you know, I played a lot of, I had one battle that was genuinely challenging, uh, like where I wasn't dying due to my own sort of stupidity or something. Like it was, I, I walked into this one battle, I didn't have any health flasks and I had to beat like a boss. It's relatively early in the game, but it was challenging because I didn't have the health flasks and, I, it, you know, I had to use strategy, like, you know, and take my time and eventually I beat him. But in this game, almost every battle is like that. You've got to constantly sort of, it does sharpen you up actually, um, but, yeah, well, the, the boss, the boss battles are, are all long, and so it's it's a it's a it's a matter of uh, having a strategy, but also learning mm. the, the the moves of the boss. Like it's it's because they'll change once they hit a certain health point. They'll either add or um, uh, increase something. So yeah, it's all it's those games are, are very time consuming because it's not just mm. like a oh get in there whack 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 the boss is dead mm. wasn't that fun it's like oh geez I've got to learn this boss now I've got to and I haven't beaten any bosses yet at all I, I I've beaten you know various individuals and some reasonably tough soldiers but I've come across bosses that I've just run away from and I actually Dion was telling me the actual boss bosses the proper bosses there's there's like a mist that you walk through so it sort of you, it telegraphs the fact that it's a boss fight mm. um but even the bigger monsters that i've come across i haven't beaten them i've escaped from them and stuff like my guy's just not at a level yet to really i'm building my character um but i'm exploring i'm having a good time like it's it's a good game i mean it's definitely i'm glad i got it um and it's it's change of pace, you know. Uh, for me, it's not it's not something I've ever really played before. I like that it's open world. You know, I like my open world games, Rich. Um, uh, yep. 
and you know it's cool and it looks fantastic, um, which is always a big thing for me. I'm a bit, I, I find it hard to play games that you know don't look visually kind of impressive. Mm. Um, yeah. It, well, actually, yeah. An- another game I can recommend that I did play this week with mm. a, another friend is uh, Alien Fire Team. Oh yeah, that's a lot of fun. What's that on? Is it on Xbox? It's on. Yeah, it's on Game Pass. Okay, cool. I'll, it's that's basically a, like Left. For, it's like Left for Dead. Mm. But you play as Marines, okay, and you just you you mowing down aliens, uh, xenomorphs. Wow! All done. So that's on that's on Games Pass. You said, yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Alien Fire Team. That's a, that's a it's a fun game. It's a hell of a lot better than Left for um, uh, Back for Blood. You don't like Back for Blood? I've I played a bit of Back for Blood. It's Back for Blood is nowhere near as good as Left for Dead. Oh, that's it's a shame. Far less enjoyable than Left for Dead. But Alien Fire Team, we've played it. Uh, we're up to the second. Okay. Chapter. All right. It's, it's been a fair bit of fun. Nice stuff. All right. Um, well, that's good. That's good news, man. Um, now, I do want to say uh, sad news. Uh, Vale Rod Marsh. Uh, Rod Marsh was a very, very, very uh, successful and legendary Australian cricket player, uh, wicketkeeper, batsman. From 1970, retired in 84. Um, certainly when I started following cricket in the early 80s. As a kid, he was one of the most easily one of the most massive reasons I got enjoyed it. He was like one of the you know sort of uh, like larrikins and um, best. He was one of the best players in the team, basically. And but he was like a larger than life personality. And he, you know by that point in his career, he was incredibly popular. Um, yeah, just and he died. He had a heart attack, Rich, a few days ago, and he was in a coma. It wasn't looking good, and yeah, he passed away today. Um, so sad news. And he also, Richard, I don't know if you know this, after he retired, he um, was massive in the Cricket Academy uh, in Australia. Like he, he groomed like um, Ricky Ponning and all those players all came through the academy. Uh, mm. and he I think was, he was also a, a selector for the England squad, wasn't he? He was, he and basically, English. yeah, basically after, after doing all that in Australia and being big part of the academy all through the 90s. So all those 90s players went through his academy um, he went to England in the early 2000s and sort of founded their own Academy of Excellence or whatever. And I was either a selector or he certainly did the same sort of thing there uh, in the lead up to them winning the Ashes in 2005. And then he, I mean, he came back to Australia. He was always involved heavily in cricket. Um, just a sad loss, man. Like, I don't know. I know you're from South Africa. I know that this before your time. Um, were you aware of him at all or was that all sort of before your era? No, no, we're 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 wearing, yeah. So mm. I mean, we we had access to. <laughs> oh yeah, I know. I, I mean, you're a bit young. You're a couple of years younger than me. I'm just you know because when I was young, young, he was kind of in the team like Greg Chappell, Dennis Lilly, Rob Marsh. I mean, these these guys mm. were giants, and they all, and funnily enough, and US listeners must be loving this, but they all retired uh, in together in their last test, and it left a a huge hole in our squad that we didn't feel for, like, five, six, seven years. You know, like, it took a long time for Australian cricket to get back to where it was. Greg Chappell was pretty much, you know, the best batsman we had since Bradman. He was as good as Ricky Ponting. Yeah. Uh, Dennis Lilly, one of the greatest fast bowlers ever. And Rod Marsh was, like, our greatest wicketkeeper we had. And they were just such big... Pre- in their last game, Greg Chappell, I remember, I remember the match, got 182 in the last game. Dennis Lilly took eight wickets, and Rod Marsh... Just took heaps of catches and they all broke records in in that match. There were all these records that broke, um, and I think they all just decided it was time to walk away, kind of on a high. 
Um, but mm. it was a sad day because, like, as a kid, they were all my favourite players, and it was just like, what, they were all retiring? Like, I almost, my brain couldn't quite grasp it, you know, because um, I was very young. But, yeah, but it's just sad that he's died. I guess we all, it gets us all, man. And, I mean, he had a massive heart attack and just kind of like, I think that was it, it was it, man. So what can you do, you know? Like, at the end of the day, the Reaper catches you, man. Basically, that's what happens. Yeah, that sucks. It. It totally sucks, man. Like, so, you know, it really annoys me because, like, um, you know, like, it's it's that thing of, like, it's always, like, and I know I was a little kid, so it always seemed larger than life, but those guys, when they were playing, it was like they were just, like, they were legends in their moments kind of thing, if you know what I mean. Like, we were aware of just how big they were. They were, they were huge, in the in the team and like when Lily would come into bowl, like the crowd would be chanting his name. When Greg Chappell was batting, I honestly thought it was some of the best batting I'd ever seen. I was only I was only a little kid, but I I, I mean I could never believe when he would get out. You know, I'd just be like, "Is Greg?" Because I remember coming home from school and, and like, "Is Greg Chappell in?" And they're like, "He's just come in," and it was just like set up the you know on the couch and just settle in for an innings. Um, that were the days, man. Like, maybe it's nostalgia talking, but that was some of the greatest days. And anyway, it's it, they're obviously wearing black armbands today, the Australian team, because we're playing in Pakistan. And I said to Michelle, they better be wearing them for a week. You know, forget about this a day, the whole test match, maybe the whole series, maybe forever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, the whole test match, yes. Oh, 100%. Maybe even the whole series, for sure. Well, he, you know, I said to Michelle, I, I hope he gets a state funeral, and I'm sure he probably will. He, he came from WA, same as Dennis Lillian. I mean, they were iconic Australians, but they were iconic in WA. So, I mean, it will be full honours. Um, yeah, a life well lived, though, really. I mean, frankly. I mean, a guy who I remember, see, he was in his later years when I came into cricket. Like, he'd been playing since 1970, but I remember that he was a lot of fun to watch batting because he was aggressive. Uh, and, mm. and, but in his earlier years, he was actually quite a batsman. He scored like three test centuries and stuff. And this was before, uh, wicket keepers were supposed to be full on batsmen. Like Gilchrist kind of revolutionized that, but, um, but he could bat, you know, and even in, in his later years, I remember him scoring some, but he used to always be like, come on, Rob Marsh is coming. He's going to start scoring at a rapid pace. Cause back in those days, if you recall, Rich, uh, a lot of the scoring was a bit slower than now, you know? Like overall, like a lot of a lot of batsmen, even in one days and stuff, didn't go hell for leather like they do now, kind of thing. So it was just interesting times. But anyway, he's well remembered and well loved, and um, he he gave everything he had to cricket. Really, I mean, frankly, I mean, I'm sure he got something back, but he he gave a hell of a lot to the game in Australia. Um, now, Rich, <clears throat> I guess we can we can move away from my cricket uh, stories. Last night we saw the Batman. Uh, and look, I'll set the scene for listeners. Um, we're obviously going to have different viewpoints, but and I want to give Richard the first opportunity, but I will say, we we walked in, Rich was already grumbling, so I knew we were in for a rough ride, um, and I was cautiously optimistic, basically. It was how I described myself. Now, I enjoyed the movie. I do have some reservations, but I'm, 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 I'm giving it an 8 to an 8.5. I'm going to decide on my official score. I did enjoy it a lot. I thought it was a really good crime noir drama, but there are some minuses, such as the mystery element I thought was a little underwhelming. And I had a few, you know, some other 
small points, but overall, I very much enjoyed it. And I think it's up there, not surpassing the heavy hitters of the franchise, which I consider Batman 89, Batman Begins, and Dark Knight. I don't think it's better than any of them, but I think it's up there toward, towards that. Now, that's my view. I'm going to go into more detail, but Rich, I want to hand it over to you so you can give your take. Uh, give us your feelings on the Batman and, and what, you know, what kind of score and you know pluses of it and minuses of it. Uh, I've given this a lot of thought since last night. Sure. Um, like, like this is the issue I have is that it's just I feel like meh. You know mm. what I mean? Like it's it's a it's a it's a fine movie, mm. right? It's you know uh, cinematography. It's shot well. You know, like it's it's fine as a movie. I just it's just not a Batman movie to me. As I said, if you took Batman out of that movie, mm. it still works. I just replaced him you with like I mean? a detective or something. Well, as I said, I mean, like him and Gordon. It's Detective Gordon in this because he's not mm. commissioner. Yep. I mean, the two of them are almost playing like partner cops. Yeah. You know, solving the Riddler mysteries that I was just like, I just, I kind of feel like it's not a Batman story. Because mm. even the Riddler, it just, he just feels like a generic serial killer guy leaving clues. And we do know, know that he took like, a lot of influences from Zodiac, apparently. Yeah. I mean, I just, like, Batman's a comic book. And, and this is one of the reasons why I also don't like the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. And this one falls also into that thing is that they try and go for so much realism. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Where they're like, oh, no, well, you know, we want to ground it in reality. And I'm like, but why? It's Batman. It's fun. That's why the, 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 the 89 Batman is like the best. Yeah. Because it's fantastical. It's my favorite. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, Batman's my favorite. Like there's, a, yeah. there's a scene in this movie where he's jumping off a building, right? Mm. And instead of him like using his cape as a bit of a glide and using his grappling hook, you know, he he he's suit like becomes a one of those you know the oh yeah the base jumpers or whatever they're called. Yeah, they're like a base jumper, and I go in really. It's yeah. a comic book, man. That like, was interesting. Can we just um, have fun with it? But what was weird with that scene was. Um, I've got a couple of gripes. I've got like two scenes that stick out in my mind that annoyed me. The, the weird thing was he went to the ledge and then he seemed really surprised. And I was like, why is Batman so surprised like by a ledge? And like he seemed scared. And I was like, really? And then he was like, did the big base jumping thing. And I, yeah, I agree. That was, you know, the other scene that irked me, Richard? It was like the big build up to the Batmobile and then it's stalling. For some reason that annoyed me. I was like, really? Like... Because you know why? That's almost playing for laughs. And it's not a comedy. And we don't need it to be so realistic that a Batmobile might stall. Like, it it didn't feel... It ruined the flow of the actual movie if for, for no reason. That scene, that, you know, you know I, that, that actually irked me. But also, the, the, the one you're talking about here... It irked me. The base jumping, I was like, okay, because we've got to be so realistic, you know. But the the fear was very odd because <laughs> I was like, he knows it's well. Elite. Obviously, that this is this is only a Batman that's been doing it for two years, so they're yeah. really trying to play the yeah. a bit of a novice angle to it and all that sort yeah. of stuff, which I don't appreciate. I don't. I'm not interested <laughs> yeah. in seeing novice Batman, honestly. And the another thing that that kind of annoyed me with this movie is that they're trying to play him as intimidating. 
mm. when I didn't, I don't feel like he was intimidating at all. Like, you know, like when he walks out the shadows yeah. and everyone's like, oh my God, like, but mm. if you, if that was Ben Affleck's Batman walking out the shadow. The bulkier. You know, yeah. the big fucking built like a. Built Even Michael house. Keaton in the old bulky uniform, you know? Yeah, well. you know what I mean? Like, he, there's just something unintimidating about his Batman. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It just, it feels like a guy in a bit of armor. What like did you think tall, of the suit? What did not, you? He's not bulky. Yeah. I, I don't like it. I, I yeah, don't like it. I was. Said, it just doesn't look. It doesn't look good. And, I was um, chatting to my friend Peter at work, who's a big Batman fan, and he really didn't enjoy the film that much. He said he gave it six point five, maybe. To, uh, actually, that's my that's my score. <laughs> yeah, but but he but I agree with him in that I I will say this I actually really like Patterson as Batman. But I, the suit itself, like playing Batman, I mean, the suit itself, I, I actually didn't feel it was just, like I can't, almost can't put into words what I don't like about it, but I just don't think it's maybe not bulky enough or, or just iconic enough, you know. Um, I, it's a little, it's just, it actually makes me think well, of a bad cosplaying Batman, you know, the, the actual yeah, well, suit. Well, that, that's what I said when I, I said when I saw the first trailer. I said mm. it looks like, uh, I've seen better cosplay actually i've seen better cosplay but yeah i me i'm not a fan of, of like i mean patterson is okay you know mm. especially when he's not talking mm. when he does play more of the brooding yeah and, and stuff and all that but the problem is he doesn't have the height he doesn't have the physicality mm. to be this intimidating figure that he's supposed to be do you know what i mean like it yeah just, i yeah. don't feel it he doesn't and God, there's even a scene where his shirt's off and he's pushing that table, and I don't think I saw an ounce of muscle on him. He well, had no yeah. frame whatsoever. I've I've got a couple of comments. So, yeah, I want to focus in on him, but also, you know, what I kept thinking during every scene where I, I, he's got a good jaw. I'll say that for Patterson, the jaw looked good with the um the cow, but that the look of the oh, we watched 89 batman just the other night it was on it was on something and we watched it um it was on hulu or something and the way that suit looked i know it looked like michael Keaton could barely walk in it like he walk a bit like a robot but it looked intimidating it, it's bulk I, I you know mm. if you could refine that suit i'm sure you could make it a lot easier to wear there was something about that suit when i saw it that made me think that's batman like you know that's that's the comic book character come to life, you know. It really it resonated. This was kind of like it was really sort of like almost a dialed down attempt. In some ways, I know they're they're striking. It's not the same note as Nolan. It's a different movie, but it's not that far away. And I'm sort of like, I, I want to. So there's that point. I think they could have done more with the suit. Would have helped. I think maybe some colour into the suit might have helped. Um, but let's talk about Patterson. I thought as Batman, like talking, everything, like, I thought he did a really good job. I was convinced it felt like Batman. I wasn't thinking this is Robert Patterson, you know, who I'm not the world's biggest fan of. You know, I was cautious of trepidatious of him taking the trial. Out, out of the suit, playing Bruce Wayne, I mean, what little there was of it, um... At first, I was just baffled, Richard, by the eye makeup, um, by the extent of it as well. Like, I mean, not just the eye makeup, the extent of the eye makeup. I was kind of like, "What are we doing here?" Like, well, the the, the problem <laughs> is, is this is a this is a Batman yeah. who runs around with his costume in his in his backpack, right? Like a like a high school kid. 
<laughs> Does he? You know what right, I mean? I and he's got the, well, that's, if you look at it, a lot of the time he's running around, he takes the, the suit off, but he puts his hoodie up and he's on the bike, but he still has the that's true. You know, the, yeah. the, the black shit around his eyes because he's got to put the suit back on when he gets to where he needs to go. And but I'm just but like, did Batman ever really do that? Am I watching a Batman that runs around <laughs> in a hoodie with his fucking bat suit? In his that's almost Spider-Man like, to me. That's Spider-Man-esque. Yeah, but I've got a question for you, and, and maybe I'm wrong. Bale, Keaton, you know, Kilmer, uh, whoever else they had. Clooney did, and Affleck. Aff, well, okay, Aff, I'm trying to hit the big beat. So Affleck, you know, Kilmer, Keaton, and Bale. Did any of these guys at any point wear eye makeup under their bat suits? Because I don't remember yes. it. Did they? Yes, but they yes, but they played it up there when they took the mask off, it wasn't there. Okay, right. I wasn't even aware of that. This is the first time where they're like, oh, no, he actually puts it on. It's, it's not just a thing for the effect of the movie. Okay, but I, I want to delve deeper. When you, when, you wear that back, when you wear that suit, they obviously can't have it right up to your eyes. Okay, you know, like to your to your eyelid. So what they do is they just put black there to make it look like yeah, it's but but but, look, but this one they're like, oh no, he puts on this mascara shit. No, but what I mean is, I understand the actors might have in the bat suit, but in the actual film, you know what I mean? The film. No, in, in the, this one, yeah, Patterson puts it on. It's actually part yes, of but the in costume. any of the other ones, did they ever have any scenes with Keaton? Bale. No. no, no, that's, that's what, what I'm saying. Mean. Like yeah. when they took it off, then it was just normal. Their and I think off. that was far better as opposed to this, which I thought looked ridiculous. Like he's already oh, playing. Right, it made him look so emo. Yeah, well, he's already. This is the thing. Like sometimes someone needs to tell the director, "You're going. We get your point, but you're going too heavy into it." Because I thought at, at first I was like, "Oh my god, he is so lost." with this Bruce Wayne role. Like, he doesn't even know what he seems to be. Like, he's barely acting. And then I started to think about it more. I chatted with Adam on the computer, who, by the way, is kind of in the middle of us. He, he didn't... He wasn't even eight. He sort of... It was, like, more like... He, I feel like I'm in the middle of you and Rich. But um, his Bruce Wayne is a shell. Like, he plays it like a shell. But my problem is, Richard, he, he, he acted that role as Bruce Wayne in the very few scenes we have with him, you know... I'm talking even his conversation with Alfred. He acted it, dude, like I would act playing a shell. Like there wasn't – it was very hammy to me. You know, like it was very obvious acting. Do you know what I mean? Like it was – I was, I was kind of like he's giving it no personality, no life. He looks dead. Um, is this really good acting or is this really just obvious acting, which I, 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 I just I, – I didn't particularly – like it. I was talking to Adam, and then the point was, I said this to Michelle, she's very critical of Robert Patterson playing this kind of emo Bruce Wayne. She really thinks Bruce Wayne should be the debonair, suave Bruce Wayne, you know? And, um, you know, like Michael Keaton played him in 89. You know what I mean? Like, that's the persona. Um, Adam was making the point, there is no Bruce Wayne really in this movie, and then there's probably a gradual move to it by the end. And I said, yeah, there is at the end. They sort of do a thing where you th would hope that in the next movie he'll have a bit more life to him. So I guess that's the out, but it, I just had a problem with it. I thought they were going too heavy into it. Like, it was all like, all this stuff that I, we, all the press we read about were really influenced by Kurt Cobain. I'm like, yeah, you seem to be in the most superficial way possible. Um, it was like a teenage kid obsessed with Kurt Cobain would be moody and depressed. Um Am I off the mark here, Rich? Because that was uh, that was what I was thinking during the movie. 
Yeah, well, I mean, they even made a, a point in the movie of him saying, like, I'm not going to go play the, the, the billionaire, you know, when yeah. Alpha's trying to get him to go to, like, the meetings and to run the business, you know, he's he's, he's like that petulant child of, like, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I, I don't, don't want to do that. that. Um, but but I, yeah. I'll, give, I'll give him this. I, mm. I, I One thing I'll say is I'll give him this. At least he didn't put on that stupid bail voice. I agree. And that bail voice got more and more tiresome throughout the three movies. Um Bale had, if you remember, though, Batman Begins is probably my favourite of all of them. Uh, the physicality he brought to playing Batman. I mean, he really pumped up for the role. Um, it didn't feel like Patterson... Made, Patterson had a decent frame, but it didn't feel like he had put in the work. Um, now... Oh, no. I don't think he exercised at all. Really. And, like, and look, that's his... And th there are certain Batman artists, though, who draw Batman as a lot more sort of a lithe person. I can think of them over the years, you know what I mean? Like, in the 70s and stuff, he certainly wasn't yeah, the but, Hulk. But he still had... But he still had biceps. He did. But you know what I mean? Like, after the 80s and Dark Knight, there was gradually... He became more and more of, you know, the Batman we, we kind of know. Yeah. Um, well, they, they definitely beefed up his costume to make him look like he had muscle. But yeah, yeah. When, when that one scene where he was, like, pushing the table, and I was just like, wow. That's just, like, an average person's frame. Like, yeah. you know, like an, an average fit person, but nothing like... You know, I mean, every other actor has, like, put the work in, really. Like, you know, if you look at Bale... I guess yeah, Keaton aspect, didn't so much. Keaton didn't really, you know. Well, okay, but that was in the days pre, you know, sort of that when the, the physique wasn't necessarily, yeah, you yeah. know, because, I mean, they, they were sticking him in a rubber suit anyway. And, and frankly... And, any, and, they, and there were no scenes of Keaton shirtless. So. Yeah, yeah, thankfully, probably. Um, yeah, yeah, but, like, I don't feel that hurt 89. That isn't my biggest concern. But my concerns are... I want to turn to this, Rich. I felt it was a very... It's noir in the kind of fake noir sense. And Adam was asking me, are there, you know, is it like a big seven kind of vibe? I'm like, only oh, in the... I wish. I yeah, wish. yeah, I was like, only in the sense that they're trying to mimic it and fucking PGify it. <laughs> like, and, and have none of the horrific sort of vividness and visceralness of, of a seven. You know, like, it, yeah, were they trying to sort of imitate it and really make it way more fucking lame? Yes. Um, and that whole thing with that so-called mystery, Rich, about the flying rat, I mean, I was so bored about hearing that thing, you know, like, they're getting so confused, like, it's a rat, it's a bat, it's this, it's a falcon, it's like, fuck, <laughs> like, it went around in circles, that little mystery, did you feel? Yeah, well, I mean, again, this the problem is this movie is too long as well, mm. I, I'll say that, like, I'm sorry, like, I just feel like there's just so much mm. dead air there's, mm. there's a lot of dead space in this movie where like nothing much is happening or, or really pushing the story forward or anything. Mm. Um, but uh, my biggest gripe about the movie, again, as a Batman movie, I think, as I said, like if this was just like a, a generic, you know, um, seven type of movie, you know, mm. with two cops trying to catch a, a serial killer who's killing the, the city's uh, most powerful people. Yeah. Uh, for their corruption that's a great that's a great movie i would watch it i mean i love sort of those sort of like you know seven and mm. the resurrection you know and you know Zodiac. like i love all those yeah, yeah. Of, um you know because they like they mystery movies they puzzles how does the cop you know figure out the clues blah 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 i love those movies but the, as i said my issue with this has been a batman movie is i didn't 
I don't think any character came off as the person they were supposed to be. I don't think Alfred was Alfred. I don't think Penguin was Penguin. I don't think Ritter was Ritter. No one really felt like the person that they were supposed to be playing. Really? You didn't like it? See, I you liked know? Alfred and Gordon. I, I thought I thought the guy who played Gordon did a good job. I actually did like his Gordon. Uh, I mean, he just played it as like generic cop guy. Like, but I how mean, different is that from Gordon? I, I mean, that is Gordon. Like old school cop. You know? I mean, I guess, again, but this is also Detective Gordon. So, I mean, he, I guess he's just playing it as a beat cop. But, I mean, it's nothing. I wouldn't be like, oh, my God, that's so Gordon or anything like that. I just felt but it was I mean, solid. I felt Penguin, it was solid. Penguin just came across as like a generic mafia guy. I didn't actually like the Penguin. Yeah. I thought uh, Colin no, Farrell. No, it wasn't very good. Yeah. I, the... I mean, he's unrecognizable and what he's doing is fine. Mm. If I'm just looking at it as him playing a character. Yeah. If I just look at Colin, you know, um, what's his name? Colin Farrell. Yeah, Colin Farrell. If I just just look at him playing a mafioso guy, yeah, 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 it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. But if I look at it as is that the penguin? No. Same with the Riddler. If I look at that, I go, okay, that's just generic serial killer, crazy serial killer guy. But yeah. do I think Riddler? No. Yeah. So no. I, I don't know. It, it just I think this movie fails. It's it's a it's fine. The movie is fine. Mm. It just fails for me. It fails as a Batman movie. Okay. Um. Now. I will say this, it's one of these, look, it is overly long. I mean, it's self-indulgent in that sense. Like, I did it, check my clock a few times. It is very, like, it, it, I kind of quite like these kind of fake, I call them fake noir because they're not real film noir, but they're sort of like almost like an homage to it. And I like the atmosphere of the film. I liked the, the setting. I liked, you know, the look of it, um, the feel of it. It, sometimes these movies, and I believe this movie is in this category, they're a little too one note. Um, uh, uh, we haven't spoken about Catwoman. I thought she was excellent. I almost thought she was in her own movie. Uh, I thought she really added life to a movie that sometimes seemed a bit dead. Um, I think the film would have been far worse without her. And I liked their relationship. I actually thought that was one of the best parts of the movie. And so I think Zoe Kravitz is a name, and I think she did an excellent job. As um, she gave, she she gave a little tiny bit of humanity to to Bruce Wayne, to Batman, because I mean, Patterson was playing this guy like, I mean, it was ridiculous how, how dead uh, his Batman was, like the world's most depressed Batman. Um, Again, I don't have a problem with her character in the movie, mm. but it still didn't scream Catwoman. I don't. Oh, think so she I didn't mind. Any, I don't think she was that different from Brubaker's Catwoman. Not really. No, I felt like she didn't have. She didn't feel like a femme fatale to me. Really? You know, she didn't have. She didn't. To me, she didn't ooze that like charisma that Catwoman has. See, I think I thought you she know, did. I thought, she I, I thought she toys with you. Yeah. How she, really? you, know, you know, she gets in head type of thing. You know how Catwoman does with the people. You know what I mean? Mm. Like how she like twists them around. Her. Like I don't know. She, again, the character that she's playing in this movie as a movie is fine. Mm. I just thought it was very. It was a very childish take on Catwoman. If that okay. makes sense. Like her character came across as a bit childish. Okay. I, see, I liked it. Not I, so much the femme fatale. I beg to differ. I, I see. That's. I thought she added a lot to the movie. I thought she was very good, actually. Um, I, I also to the movie. Her mm. character is good, and it centers the movie. It's just again, I'm looking at these people. I'm separating what they play to what they were supposed to be. Oh, you mean against the comic if, book if characters? Yes. So, like the character she played in this movie is fine for the movie that they made. Mm. And the relationship they were building between her and I'm just going to say the main character. But again, if I look at her and go, would I go like, damn, that's and they nailed her? No, I wouldn't. Okay. 
I didn't think she was a million miles from the Brubaker Catwoman, um, which I, I mean, not not a hundred percent, but I, I felt she was kind of there in that in that aspect. I mean, Catwoman's had a lot of lives, you know, um, and personas over the years. Um, I don't know. I look for me. She. I just I, I just felt the sultry was lacking. Okay. All right. See, I thought it was there. I, I, oh. I you know, she's playing you, against you a pretty dead you... fish. I mean, Patterson was a no, dead I know. fish. I, again, you know? I know. But as I said, this movie is it's 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 a weird thing for me because if I just look at it as a movie, it's fine. Mm. Like it's not a movie I'd watch again. But I'm like, okay, fine. There was a a decent story, a good movie, mm. you know, well shot, all that sort of stuff. Interesting characters, in a sense, but mm. just not interesting Batman characters. So, Rich, I believe you've got an area of complaint or issue with, is it the bat signal? What's going on with the bat signal you didn't like? Yeah, so I feel like this movie wanted to have, with Batman, wanted to have their cake and eat it, right? Mm -hmm. So they they want him to be like this intimidating character and everyone's like fearful of him, right? And so they're ready, the police have a bat signal. Mm -hmm. But yet the police hate Batman. Because there is no Commissioner Gordon. It's Detective Gordon. There's yep. two different commissioners in, in this movie. Mm. And all of them hate Batman. So then my question is, well, why the hell did they build the bat signal then? Yeah, I thought that as well, actually. Um, because if it's Commissioner Gordon, you can happen under his watch. But if the commissioner... I, I think originally it was because the, commi- the first commissioner who gets killed was Gordon's partner. So he'd given Gordon room. He said that, actually. He said, I've given you a lot of room on this. So I think he was the one who gave him the room to build the bat signal. But, I mean, even when he rocks up and he goes, what the fuck is he doing here? Yeah. He's like, so I just think it's weird that every single cop hates him, but yet that bat signal goes on all the time. And I just think to myself, it's a really contradicting thing you're setting up here. Mm. Do the cops, like, appreciate him or do they hate him? Because I don't understand. He's so new at this. He's only been doing it for two years. Mm. But he already has a bat signal. And criminals are already like fearing the Batman, but then the police hate the Batman and don't want him at any of the. the they don't want his help, and I was just like, "This is just such a mixed message yeah. you're sending with the bat signal." Of like, I think they just wanted the bat signal. In fact, I think they should have sent the bat signal for like the end of the movie. Yeah, you know, because uh, some of the cops kind of come around. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and they start respecting him, and I kind of feel like maybe that's when you could have gone. Okay, now they they build the bat signal because you know, realize they need his help. I just feel like. You know, they just wanted to have everything yeah. in the movie, even if it didn't gel. Well, I agree with you. The, the bat signal could have been a really nice way to finish it. Maybe he didn't want to be in the shadow of Nolan, who, if you recall, did the bat signal, I believe, at the end of Batman Begins. And then there was the mm. thing about the reservoir. Um, I agree with you, though. I, I think not having the bat signal is a good sign in year two because he hasn't yet fully... He's not fully simpatico with the cops yet. And there was a lot of resistance from the police force outside of Gordon. Like, Gordon was really the only one championing him. So yeah. that would have made yeah, sense. Yeah, the only one. Yeah. Um, I did want to say I liked the gadgets in the movie. I thought that it was nice to see the, um, what do you call it, the bat grapple get a run. I liked the Batmobile more than I thought I would. Uh, although I kept thinking, man, I just prefer that 89 Batmobile to anything these guys are dishing. <laughs> I, just, I, I thought that several times I thought, Man, give me that '89 Batmobile, and even Val Kilmer's Batmobile over 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 this thing. Um, but I didn't mind it. I yeah, I like I like it. Now I, there's and a point I want to bring up. Now at the end of the movie, there's definitely a swing towards hope, um, which they you know massively narrate. 
Um, what did you think about Batman helping out with the rescue and, and all that kind of stuff and, like, helping out in the day? I know Adam, the computer, doesn't like him helping out in the day. I, did, I liked the scenes because I thought it was – it's sort of, like, humanised Batman in, in a sense. What, do you, what did you think of that, Richard? Yeah, I mean, I don't have an issue with that because, I mean, that is, that is what Batman would do. I mean, you know, Batman yeah. does act like the tough guy and he sticks to the shadows, but, I mean, if there's a catastrophe – Mm. In Gotham, he would work night and day yeah. in helping people. He he would literally not even go to bed. Like you know what I mean? He wouldn't be like, oh shit, sun's coming up. I can't, I can't help with. Well, I, I think of cataclysm. I think of contagion. I think of no man's land. Batman is at the front lines. You know? Yeah, that's what I said. Like I don't have an issue with that. And I do. I did like the. I did like the transition from vengeance to maybe justice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because, you know, he does start the movie with, like, I'm vengeance. I'm vengeance. Yeah, Rich, we're having a fun night tonight, uh, Dave trying to master technology. So apologies, listeners, if there's been a few stops and starts. But, um, Rich, just to wind up what you were saying, uh, this whole helping in the day thing, you're, you don't mind it, basically. I don't mind it either, but you don't mind it, do you? Well, not, not, not when it's something as catastrophic as what happens in this movie. I mean, as you said, like, with Cataclysm and all that sort of stuff, like, Batman wouldn't just go, oh, well, it's daytime, I can't keep helping. Yeah. You know, he would keep going. If there's people in danger, if there's people that need to yeah. be saved, yeah. you know, he's going to totally work agree. all night. He's going to go 24-7. Yeah, know? he's not punching a clock, is he, Batman? Like, in Cataclysm, No Man's yeah. Land, I know he's generally showing at night in these things, but he he doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. If When the disaster is this huge, I actually liked... Uh, the the disaster of the seawalls and once again you know something that i'm i think i've watched too many movies whenever they announce something at the start of a movie i think oh that's definitely going to get a mention and there was a mention of gotham's seawall right at the start of it and i remember thinking when i was watching it i'm sure that will be coming to this movie at some point you know like <laughs> and no and I, and I honestly did think that like it was that cynical thing like yeah okay you know, thanks for mentioning that. That is definitely going to come back. And then when it was like, and I've planted all the bombs on the sea, well, I was like, oh, yeah, what a surprise. Um, <laughs> but I actually liked that. Um, I thought that was a cool kind of um, – it was a funny movie because a lot of time it was very gritty and, you know, sort of crime and, like, you know, everyone's in shadows. And then there was a few big budget bits. Adam the computer wasn't as fond of them, but I actually thought this one worked quite well. What did you think of the flooding? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, that's the only time in the movie where it felt a little bit more grandiose and booky. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, um, so, that, yeah, it's probably the best part in the movie. Yeah, yeah, honestly. You you know what? Um, yeah, I, don't, I sort of think we've 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 kind of wrapped it. I, when I think of my Batman, you know, there's so many personifications of Batman, but I still think of him how he was in the early '80s, like when I bought that Batman and the Outsiders and, and I've read a lot of the seventies, like he was up and about and was helping and stuff. Like he, you know, he wasn't always just in his cave, just bitter, you know? And so I like it when he does moments like that. And I, and I sort of like the turn of this movie because this, the reason I was so hopeful for this movie was because I really liked the two planet of the apes movies. This guy did. I thought they were very good movies. And so I felt like this guy was going to deliver us a good movie. And I think he did. Um, although there were some reservations, but overall, I thought he did deliver us a good film. I, I'm going to change my score a little bit. I'm going to give it 7.5 out of 10 because I, I, I do believe there's a couple of things in it that restrain me from giving it more. I almost want to give it an 8, but I'm going to give it a 
uh, and I do want to rewatch it. Michelle, when I came home, uh, she said, will you watch it with me when it comes out on streaming? I said, 100% I'll watch it with you. You know, I need to have some time to digest it. Um, I'm a 7.5, which I think kind of neatly kind of fits where I am. And I, and you know what? I thought it was pretty good. It could have been a little bit better, but I did feel it, it led into, I want a sequel quite quickly. I, I want, what did you think of the Joker at the end, Rich? No, didn't like it. I thought it was pretty. I thought it was pretty tame. Mm. Did was his face already scarred? It already looked scarred to me. Uh, yeah. I mean, you could see a little bit of it, uh, but yeah, you could clearly see that there was something going on with his face. Yeah, but they didn't really show much more like a not a silhouette, like a very very blurred out kind of face. But you could still make out that you could clearly see he was wearing some kind of prosthetics. You yeah. Know, um, uh, on his nose, and you could see something around the mouth area and all that sort mm. of stuff. So, you didn't like um, it? I, see, I liked uh, the I, teams. I'm also not a fan of, of that guy being. I'm, but I'm also not a fan of the Joker being in prison already. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah, I, 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 you would have thought that the Joker would have like appeared after the Riddler, but it seems like he's been captured already. Mm. Yeah, and, yeah, and he's in jail or Arkham already. And I was like, okay, that's a bit disappointing. That I don't know. I don't know. Mm, good point. We'll see. We'll see. I, I, mean, I really like the end. Look, of, they um, haven't nailed they they haven't nailed any of the other characters, so I don't, I'm not going to get my hopes up for their portrayal of the Joker in the next movie or whatever. Mm. Um, favorite Joker for me, Jack Nicholson, followed by Heath Ledger. What about you? Anything's on the table: video games, comics, uh, not comics. Um, you know, cartoons. Oh, uh, uh, Mark Hamill's. Yeah. Okay. I thought you'd say that. Mark Hamill. Yeah, Mark, Mark Hamill is Hamill, very good. Hands down, best Joker. I see. For me, Jack Nicholson. I love Jack Nicholson. I thought Jack Nicholson was superb. Really was. What it, would you like? Um... Oh yeah, I mean, I think Jack Nicholson set the tone for the animated Joker, but I yeah. just think Mark Hamill took it to the next level. He was good. He was very good. What about uh, Cesar Romero back in the day? He was pretty good. Um. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, Cesar Romero's Joker was a little bit toned down, actually. I mean, if yeah. anything, the Riddler was way more wackadoo. Yeah, the guy, what was the guy's name? Um, what was his name? The Frank Frank. Uh, Frank Frank Gorshin. Yeah, he was good as Riddler. <laughs> like, oh yeah, he was. Well, that's who Jim Carrey was kind of trying to channel to to emulate. Um, Can I just say, in... like, I honestly, at the start of this movie, I was almost laughing at that Riddler. I just thought it was absurd the cost. Like, it, like I did. Dude, yeah, I liked the performance I, overall. I don't know if you noticed this, but there mm. were actually some people snickering in yeah. in, in the theater. There. Mm. Like, I, will I heard people like scoffing and snickering behind us. Yeah. Well, it was a weird <laughs> decision. Like, uh, like, like it wasn't that the guy who like I I appreciated what he went for. I kind of liked the story of the Riddler. I just thought the Riddler was pretty cool. But just the look of the Riddler. I mean, it was it was almost comical to me. Like, I was like, this is not... Uh, and also, out of all the characters in Batman's Rogues Gallery to pick, to be this deranged, Riddler is not my first choice. You know? Like, Riddler is not as crazy as the Joker. Ever. You know, he's... No, R- uh, Riddler is ex- he's eccentric. Yeah, he's like a bit nutty and stuff. Like, but... um. Yeah, this was Riddler. Like, this was basically someone saying, "I want a serial killer, um, and and I'm just going to play Lucky Dip." And I got Riddler. I mean, I I also misheard. 
I, like you know me, my attention wanes. I tell you who was good. John, what's his name? John Toretto, playing. Um, what was he? Falcone played Falcone. Falcone. I thought, thought he was very good, um, but he's always good. But when he oh, yeah. when he's he, always good. Yeah. yeah, he's always good, and he's a pleasure to watch. He's one of those actors who's a pleasure to watch work because this is easy money for him. You know, it's a, like this is nothing. He doesn't even have to stretch too far for this. And um, when he came on. I mistakenly thought I heard someone introduced him as Victor Zaz. Or, you know, um, you, you, you know the character I'm talking about? You know, yeah. yeah. I don't know how you got that, but... No, I, no, I, no I, 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 it was my own mistake. I, I actually was looking away or something, and I, for a second I thought it was Victor Zaz, and I was like, wow, Victor Zaz is in this? And I was really excited. And then I, then, then I realised quickly that Toretto was playing um, Falcone, and I was like, okay... That makes more sense. He's playing a mob boss. Um, but I was thinking Victor Zaz would have been a good one to have as the villain instead of Riddler. Because Riddler, I mean, his riddles weren't even very good. I mean, they were sort of good. Like, they let you play the game where you were trying to guess it. Like, you know, you, you know, normally in these movies, the riddles are so hard you could never get it. This one's the riddles weren't that hard. They were, they were gettable, you know, by a smarter person than me. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, but you know what? I mean, I have a feeling that almost every single, a lot of the villains that Batman has, especially if, if this is the sort of, let's say they're doing a trilogy of these movies or, mm. you know, uh, uh, whatever, I think a lot of them are going to be portrayed as serial killers. Because, I mean, Victor Zaz is already a serial killer. Yeah. I mean, you, you, can, you can easily play uh, Calendar Man as a serial killer. I don't care about that. That's fine, you know. I mean, no, but I'm just saying, I, I kind of feel like that's what they're going for, maybe with these Batman movies. Would you call Joker a serial more? killer? I mean, uh, he kills a lot of people. But oh, they'll probably portray him as one for sure. Is he? If, we, if you look at Joker, I mean, he's just crazy. Joker's, not, Joker's more of a mass murderer than a serial yeah, killer. Yeah, he's a mass murderer. Joker's a mass murderer. There's a fine line between the two. <laughs> like, <laughs> serial killers are kind no, but of I mean, more... he kills on on mass. Yeah, like Joker will kill a thousand people just to make a point. You know. Exactly, he'll he'll get an entire stadium (laughs) just because he thinks it's funny or because he wants to. Were you surprised that they had the shooters, considering how political and, you know, sensitive a topic that is these days, that they had the sort of loser internet boys, you know? Um, I was kind of, I was kind of, I was actually like hats off to Matt Reeves. No, I think they would, I think. No, I think there's there's definitely some sly um, political stuff in this like mm. i mean uh I, I kind of feel like that feels like it's a dig at like maybe january 6 people what's um, that oh the capital riders also, i mean i'm surprised it only took them yeah you know like these people are they're trying to take down the government sure kind of thing and all that and i think that's what they were playing at and then i'm surprised it took them an hour and a half but it was in where Catwoman goes you know there's white privileged guys and i was like oh there we go i i I heard you sigh i when they said that you sighed it shifted position i thought i'm gonna hear about that on the show i'm surprised it's taken this long to bring it up well it's because they they were going so well they were doing so well (laughs) there was like nothing like it was just a normal movie and then of course just you know they lulled me in then of course the one character has to go well these privileged white men protected and i was like oh god Who was the actor who played the uh, the the balding guy who was the DA? I know that actor from somewhere. Oh, that's um, 
Michael Skarsgård or something? Is that who it is? Yeah, he's in something that I know, and he's aged. He was in something when he was a lot younger when he had hair, basically, and I know him. Um, oh, dude, he's been in a few things. He was right. on, I think he was on that movie, um, the one where... Uh, Um, no, not no, maybe it's not Skarsgård. He was in the Green, the terrible Green Lantern movie. All right. Yeah. Um, uh, he was. He, he, I believe he played the clown. It. Okay. Right. All right. Well, um, yeah, yeah. Maybe that. Yeah, I, I just know him, and he was good. Um, disappointed. Uh, disappointments, and these aren't even criticize, criticizing the movie, but just things I wish had been in there. No tease of Harvey Dent. That was a shame. I thought Harvey Dent no, might have no, got a mention. No, no, sorry. I'm, Sorry, he wasn't the clown hit. I think I'm remembering it wrong. Okay. But were you a bit disappointed by no Harvey Dent, no Renee Montoya, um, you know, none of those kind not of people? Really. No? Not, I not mean, just to be honest, this movie was crammed already. Sure. But in three hours, you couldn't have put in a little allusion to Harvey Dent. That would have been nice. You know, could, I think the movie's not three hours. It's, it's only about two hours and 40 minutes. But a replacement DA, man. The DA got killed. I thought, oh, sweet, we're going to get Harvey Dent mentioned. And then there was nothing, you know? No Bane. No Bane, no, no Russell Gould for Dave. <laughs> Although I'm pretty sure Batman injected himself with Venom in the movie. Yeah, I thought that too, Rich. That was a good good pickup from you there because I, I thought that as well. Well, anyway, look, look, it was an interesting movie. I mean, I... I did enjoy it, and I and I kind of want a sequel quickly. You know, I I I'm 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 into it. Like I, I'm down for it. I think he's a good filmmaker, Matt Reeves. Um, what's your official score, Rich? I'm giving it seven point five. It's it's well because I have to judge it as a Batman movie. I'm giving it uh, Peter Sarsgaard is the name, by the way. Okay. Um, the the DA. Um, I'm giving it six point five because I'm judging it as a Batman movie. What's the name of the DA? Is it you know how sometimes they use the creator names and stuff? Like you know they're like what's oh, the DA? Uh, it was Gil Gil Colson. Okay, right. Okay. Um, apparently, at the end of it, there's a big thank you to a stack of creators, including Chuck Dixon and Graham Nolan, who created Bane and and Greg Rucker and Ed Brubaker. So it wasn't just Bill Finger and Bob Kane. It was like a lot of the. You you know the guys that have done it over the last thirty years uh, got mentions like Frank Miller's, Jeff Johns. Well, when you when you consider how many fucking names are in a credits roll, yeah, why can't you just add like an entire fucking? Well, they did. You know, sec. No, I'm saying every movie, every comic book movie, I feel yeah. should have like. Well, put it this way: I think any writer slash artist who's had a long run on something. Yeah, I agree. Should get a shout out, even if it's not necessarily used per se in the. Maybe that movie you're doing, but I, they've all helped sort of build the mm. mythos and the history of the character. That I think anyone who's had a fairly lengthy run on a. I wonder if Steve Englehart got it. I wonder if Steve Englehart got one because uh, you know we had him on the show and uh, he was talking in depth about he kind of got screwed in '89. You know, he wrote the scripts and yeah, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Although, unfortunately, that also means that Tom King will probably get a shout-out one day. I, unfortunately, Tom King did get a shout-out because... And Tom King made a big fucking Fuck. deal about the fact they used Bat-Cat. And he's like, oh, I got, in, I got in the franchise. Look at me. Fuck off, Tom King. You know, seriously. Like... I don't know if you heard me, but in the movie where she goes, the bat and the cat, she goes, it's got a nice ring to it. And I was like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, I did hear that. <laughs> uh, that actually, I laughed. A couple of, couple of, uh, I, you know, you know, funnily enough, I don't actually mind it. It was his massive overuse that killed me. You know, he was his like just 
fucking... Oh, you mean when they kept referring to each other as bat and cat? Oh, yes. yeah, just, just endlessly. Like, once in the movie, I, I had no problem with it. Um, it was funny, it reminds me of when I was watching uh, one of the Batman animated movies and um, my mum was watching with me, and, like, Batman and Catwoman basically have sex or something, and my mum goes, oh, this isn't the Batman I remember. <laughs> Like her Batman would have been like her Batman would have been like the nineteen sixties you know show. She's like, oh, gee, Batman's changed. Mm. <laughs> and I, was, I was like, I was like, yeah, they've got a little bit more sexy as the years have gone on, you know. Like, it's it just I always love. Well, it. Well, I don't you know, know the Julie Newmar and all that. It's true. It's true. The sixties Catwoman was. Pretty my mother sexy. was. My mother wouldn't have seen much though, man. You know what I mean? Like in her mind, like <laughs> she has not watched a lot of Batman. <laughs> In her time, you are right. Adam West and Julie Newmar did have a bit of a flirtation going on uh, throughout the whole show. But like, look, I'm giving it seven point five, and I could be argued to eight. Um, I, I will watch it again with Michelle. But I genuinely felt uh, I my favourite movies um, of, of the live action are Batman eighty nine and Batman Begins and Dark Knight. I felt this is like if they're kind of Batman eighty nine is my one, two, three. And then at four, I'd put this. Um, where where are you ranking in the bat, your own Batman sort of sphere? Uh, Come on, Rich. Not not high. <laughs> um. <laughs> I love it. Well, what, which one? Which was your favourite out of all the Batman movies that they've done since the eighties? Oh, I mean, obviously the first two. Okay. Um, the two Malkina ones. I mean, I don't, I don't hate the Val Kilmer one either. It's a bit, it was still close enough to the um, Tim Burton one. Yeah. Um, before they just went off the rails with um, Batman and Robin. The George Clooney one. Batman mm. f- Robin and Robin was fucking woeful. Mm. Um, and also, those movies have the best Alfred. He is very good, that Alfred. Um, what did you think of Andy Circus? Uh, Andy Circus didn't have much stuff. to do. I actually thought they'd killed him at one point, and I fucking hate the Tom King. That's one of the things I hate. Uh, you know, what did you think? How did he compare to? Um, I don't. King? I don't look. I, I just don't like that they went with the Earth Two Elf, the um, more the security, right? Specialist Alfred, you know, and not the Butler Alfred. What is the Alfred? Um, I tell you who I thought was really good. I mean, obviously that original guy is excellent. Like he's the classic Alfred. I thought Michael Caine did a pretty good Alfred, actually. And um, even. Oh, actually, Michael Caine might also be one of the worst. <laughs> I thought, Master Bruce. <laughs> you know, he's like, Master Bruce. <laughs> I just, I couldn't. I, I mean, I love Michael Caine, but I just couldn't. As Alfred, I just couldn't get past his. It's Michael Caine. I don't, you know what I mean? You Michael don't Caine was. Alfred, it, you Michael Caine. Did you get the impression Michael of Michael Caine? Caine. I'm Michael Caine. My yeah, name's Michael yeah. Caine. <laughs> yeah. He was almost not acting. He was like, I'm Michael Caine, and I'm Alfred. <laughs> Master Bruce. <laughs> like, some, just, some men just want to watch a bell burn. <laughs> Remember that bit at the end where he's like, and I get a seat. By the by, the fountain that I watch, and I go there every year. It's just like that really complicated fucking story. It's like I was like, where is he going with this story? I don't even understand what he wants. I have a dream, and um, but then there was like, you know, who I thought was actually really good, and really let down by the material. Um, was it Jeremy Irons as Alfred? I actually thought he was really good. He just had nothing to do. He had barely any scenes. I don't know. Can I be honest with you? I mean, 
as much as I like the the Tim Burton Alfred, I still don't think any Batman movie has nailed really Alfred. Like really, the the, the comic book Alfred. See, to me, the original guy does. Whatever his name is, Michael Goff or know. something, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he's the closest. Yeah. But he doesn't do much in the movies. If that makes, you know what I mean? He doesn't have... He lets he lets Vicky Vale into the Batcave. It's like comic relief. He lets Vicky Vale into no, the Batcave. He's a little bit more there for comic relief. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, what does Alfred really do normally? Not much. I mean, patches him up. I don't know. I mean, depending, depending on the writer, Alfred can be a very good character in the Batman. He can. Um, uh, no, I, I, I like kind Alfred. Of like Chuck Dixon's Batman. Uh, yeah. Chuck Dixon's Alfred has always been good. Yeah, he um, has. Because I kind of look. Alfred doesn't necessarily. This is also the problem with with Alfred in say like uh, the other media, right? Is that Alfred and Batman have a very weird relationship? But Alfred really shines with Nightwing and the Robins. Yes. You know, and and the ex like that's his. You know, he's almost like this father this figure. Father figure. Yeah. That they that they don't get from Bruce. from Bruce, and that's kind of the Alfred that I like. And mm. but I never really get to see that Alfred. True. You know, I, I like Alfred a lot in the comics. I tell you, who really fucking pissed me off was Tom oh, the, King. Oh, the animated Batman is the animated. Tom King is a fucking fuckwit, man. Like, yeah. Tom King can go fuck himself. I mean, seriously, when he's like, oh, you know what, I've come, I've come up with a great idea, we're going to kill Alfred, I would have been like, no, no, you're not killing Alfred. Fuck you. You know, like, what, why do we have to have kill Alfred? Like, it's just so unnecessary, you know? Um, you, the animated also, if was If going to do it, it's got to be a far better story than he told. Yeah. Well, fuck, fuck him. I tell you who was a fun character in the nineties, uh, and I've spoken to Chuck about him. Harold, back in the in the Batcave, the engineer guy, like sort of semi-retarded guy. You know the guy. You know, you, you know how I I, used to, I I always thought he was a funny character, and, and he just runs away. Yeah, I remember Chuck said that he, yeah he escaped uh, Cataclysm or whatever. He just he just ran him off. I think that when well, they wanted to kill the character, and Chuck gave him a little escape portal out. Um, he was a cool character. He was just down there in the depths of the cave, just tinkering away, doing whatever. It's like a little gnome. And then, um, and then cataclysm happened, and I think Chuck got the message: you got to get rid of him. You know, he had to run away. Well, thanks, thankfully, so yes. You weren't a fan of Harold. I liked him. I mean, I liked no, him. not 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 particularly. Why? He designed all the shit. He designed. He he did the he did the um. The rail thing beneath the city and all that. He did all that stuff. He did heaps of stuff, man. You don't know about Harold. I don't know. I mean, he was okay for a laugh or two, but, I mean, <laughs> he's not a character I want sticking around. You don't want him. You don't want him. He was kind of like, you know, he reminded me of, now that I think of it, the Hunchback of Notre Dame. He looks a bit like the, the Disney character. You, you know the Disney movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it, yeah. <laughs> he was a bit retarded, I think. I actually think he was a bit sort of simple and, you know. I, I'm pretty confident. I'm gonna. I can ask Chuck, but I, I, I think he was like the idiot savant. You know? Have you heard that term before? I have. Well, I don't know if it's politically correct to say now, but I, I, yeah, I think that's what they were going for. Now I'm not sure if that's politically correct. Don't send the hate mail to me. You know, if it gets sent to Signal HQ, it's just going to get burnt. But yeah, I guess probably best left in the comics in the '90s. Would you agree, Rich? Now that I think about it. Agreed. Yeah, I mean. Much that would please me and maybe Chuck. I don't think too many other people would be loving it that much. Um, I'm going to throw something out there, man. And this is maybe, you know, wild. Um, what about throwing in the Azrael storyline 
into Batman. Like, sort of, you know what I mean? Like, you you know, the, the storyline of, uh, you know, a character trying to replace Batman somewhere down the line in these movies. Would you like to see that? Where, like, Batman, you know, gets destroyed and you see Asbat, all that stuff. I always thought that was really cool. I'm not saying in the next movie, but well, do, you, do you think that's potential? Well, this is the but this is the problem with you not like recasting the actor or the character is that you'll never get to those stories. You reckon? Well, because every time they do like a reboot, they've almost got to start from the beginning, almost. Sure. You know, so you almost get in the same characters, the same stories. Like the only way that we can get to an Azrael storyline with like Bane breaking Batman's back and you know him tapping you know Azrael to be. You've got to have a couple of movies under you. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you, you, you need you need to have any impact. But maybe maybe they've you know I don't know with Patterson. Patterson's that, that kind of guy who could maybe do one indie movie, then one Batman, one indie movie, one Batman. You know, he could be the guy. Sure, but also just also if he's also done with it, as I said, it's got to be like James Bond, mm. right? James Bond would never have worked and been successful if you kept rebooting it every time you had to get a new actor. Mm. You've just got to let it continue. You're just going to let it run and have it sort of be uh, continuous. But you just, if you have to get a new actor, you get a new actor. If that actor gets too old or yeah. something happens, you just got to keep going. With Which is what Batman, so that's what Batman did in the nineties. That's what Batman did in the nineties. Yes, yes, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I said until they fucked it up. <laughs> well, it worked until it didn't work, you know, um, and then they. Yeah. They stumbled, but yeah, but, but they jumped the shark with that that you couldn't that you couldn't recover from it. Honestly, that yeah. movie was so bad, yeah, and and just did so much damage that I don't think you could. I, I think anyone would have just gone, "Fuck it, I'm not going to go watch the next movie." All right, well, I think we've done enough on the Batman. I think we've 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 we, you know we've we've enjoyed it. We've just enjoyed discussing. You gave it six point five, Rich. Am I right? Mm, I gave it correct. seven point five, and I could be argued to an eight, but I'm going to stick with a seven point five. Now, you'll be happy to know, Rich, that. The next HBO DC show is an Arkham spin-off from this movie. So, uh, and Adam was saying, will they do Poison Ivy, Clayface, those kind of characters? I mean, if you're doing an Arkham series, it seems you know more than likely that you probably won't do Joker. You'll hold him for the um, movie, but you could see like guys like uh, what's his name, Clock Clock King, and all those kind of people, Calendar Man, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's a lot of there's a lot of rogues that you could do, Killer Croc. Um, I'm not interested in watching a show about their therapy. Well, I don't want to see their therapy, man. Fuck that. Uh, unless it's tied into well, sounds, I mean, if this is an Arkham, it's going to be one of them in Arkham just talking about their feelings. Maybe. I mean, maybe it's them escaping and stuff as well, you know, doing crazy shit. I, I doubt it's going to be just them talking yeah. about their feelings, Richard. I think it is. Okay, well, anyway, so that's the new show. Um, oh, I, ha- I had a little side note here. Have you ever heard of the TV show Canon? No. Before your time, Rich. Ever, did you ever see the show Jake and the Fat Man in the 80s? Uh, did you ever catch that one with... Yeah, no? With William Conrad? So William Con- yeah, yeah. William Conrad was the Fat Man. Well, back in the 70s, he was, he was big voice on radio. He was... He was Matt Dillon in Gunsmoke on radio, which is where I know him from, and he also narrated The Fugitive. Um, big voice actor, but also in the early 70s, he had a detective show called Cannon, where he was a PI. Um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, Dave's getting his hands on it, so he can watch some Cannon, because Michelle's away next week, which means Dave gets uh, 
access, you know, basically out on the big TV. Elvis will get a run, Kojak will get a run, and Cannon's going to get a run, Rich. <laughs> Just living the dream, you know. And and I said the, to me, unfortunately, the only the only Cannon I'm familiar with is Cannonball Run. Cannonball Run is a classic. Now, I do want to do... Uh, look, it's not going to be as long as the Batman review. I watched the new Scream movie. A uh, lot of fun. Really enjoyed it. Um, watched it with Michelle last weekend and really, really enjoyed it. It was a, a breath of fresh air. Um, I, I love all the Scream movies. Um, this was a really worthy addition to the franchise. Um and actually, it really felt in the spirit of what Wes Craven did. And they sort of tribute Wes Craven, as they should. <laughs> and um, there's a character in the film called Wes, and it's the first line of the movie is like, is Wes still bugging you? And the movie's dedicated to him. It's a real love letter to the franchise, and it really works on a lot of levels. I've got to say, I was really impressed by the Scream movie. I mean, I'd give it 8.5. I really actually enjoyed it a lot. Um you're not a big scream slasher guy. We've covered this before, Rich, so probably you don't need to watch this one, I would say. Yeah, no, no. I watched the first two screams um, back in the day. I'm not... So, for me, the, the reason I like uh, horror movies mm. is because of the uh, special makeup effects. Right. And that's why I generally go for horror movies that are more creature-based, mm-hmm. you know, because I get to awe and awe at the the wonderful, you know, the creature designs. Sure. Um, I, I'm infatuated with creature designs. I mean, those guys are just phenomenal. Mm. You know, if you look at like the thing, pumpkin head, all that, like, it's just great sort of stuff. And slasher movies just don't have that for me. You know what I mean? It's literally just, just different stuff. You got ghost face scenes. You got ghost face. You got ghost face in screen. Yeah, but again, it's just a guy in a mask, and he's just go- and he just and it's just like, oh, what creative ways can kill people? That's fine. I mean, if someone likes that, they like that. I just. There's nothing in it for me to go, ooh, ah, kind of Yeah, no, I, I Like, I don't get to enjoy, like, this creature that I go, oh, how the fuck did they do that? How did they bring that creature? i tell you a film I saw in, in this would have been in the mid-'80s. I, I Like, you know when you're at a friend's house and um, we had a horror night and their mum was a little bit more liberal than mine and she allowed, like, these movies and she's like, are we sure everyone's going to be okay watching this? And I was like, yeah, I'll be okay. They put on The Burning. I've never been more terrified in my life. And, like, I was having, like, nightmares about it for, like, weeks. <laughs> it's probably really lame to watch now, but, like, at that age, I would have only been, like, 11. I, I honestly, it scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I was like, I don't think I'd even watched a horror movie before. <laughs> I was like, I was like, Jesus well, the, Christ. The, the movie that did that for me was uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. I watched that when I was really young. Yeah, uh, yeah. I watched that, I think, when I was 13. And, um, but it scared the fuck out of me. But I've made me a fan of, of horror movies. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, that you that go. did scare me, but I didn't watch it because it scared me too much. The previews scared me too much. Um, yeah, no, I have I was never really... My sister was big into horror as uh, she got older, but I, I generally steer away from it. But I, I do like the slasher movies. Um uh, yeah, I'm, but I'm easily scared, though, I must admit. Like, those that those paranormal activity movies scared the shit out of me as an adult. They scared the shit out of me. But it's good to be scared, man. It's, it's, it just, it, it, I don't know. There's just something that's good about getting there. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with jumping in fright or, oh, no. No. you know, Keeps or your life. feeling trepidatious when watching something. It, you know, it makes you alive. That's it, man. Now, I came across a little tidbit this week uh, by chance. Richard, 
did you know in the 70s, Hal Jordan, as Green Lantern, was a trucker for a while? Were you aware of this? Yeah, he was also a toy salesman. Really? So I always thought he was just an airplane pilot, like test pilot for Ferris aircraft, all that stuff. Well, the thing is, you know, they always kept trying to figure out ways to make him more interesting, I guess, or... Right, they're running out of ideas and stuff and all that. So yeah, he's had some <laughs> some odd jobs. He's given up the ring. Yeah, um, I think the trucker may have come. Was that? I think was that after the traveling toy salesman job? I don't know. The the, the picture of him is with the trucker cap. He was a, he was it was for about. Yeah, I think the traveling toy salesman maybe in the sixties or early seventies maybe. Right, like yeah, they, they just didn't know what to do with the character because I do know that he was a just before the Denny O'Neill. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow run. They they dropped the traveling toy salesman. Like right. he was like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. And traveling toy salesman. That's pretty. Ne- funny. Never really spoken of again. That's that's funny yeah, though. Yeah. Like door to door. Was that what he was doing? Yeah, I just I don't understand how you can take someone who's supposed to be a test pilot, <laughs> one of the coolest fucking jobs in the world, and go, oh, geez, what do we do with this character? Oh, I know. Let's make him a traveling toy salesman, or let's make him a trucker. He's a fucking pilot for Christ's sake. Well, like, I guess what they're trying to go for is the Roma, you know, it, with the tr- the trucker. I can actually like. I'm not saying it's a great idea, but I, I can kind of see it. But it's just odd. Like it's just funny. I just it made me laugh that that the Hal Jordan of all people was a trucker. You could almost just make him like travel the world, um, doing odd jobs as like a uh, crop dusting or <laughs> yeah. something related to flying. Yeah, it's it's so funny. Yeah, you're right. Actually, he could just be. Yeah, he could be like a um, a commercial pilot, you know, kind of thing. Like you know, char- yeah, well, charter. Yeah, I mean, you do something as lame as trucker or something. You could have just made him a fucking, you know, uh, commercial pilot. <laughs> trucking uh, across the USA. <laughs> trucking. <laughs> now, Richard, I have a discussion point. I this week michelle and i is you know we've battled on with this walking dead franchise uh, we are literally the walking dead yeah um yeah, stuck through it yeah the the show is the walking dead the audience is the walking dead we're just <laughs> shambling our way towards oblivion <laughs> I, I swear to god this show might outlive me it feels like um so basically we realized this week that um the shows have started coming back and there was there was three episodes uh, one of which just dropped so I said to him, it's a couple show, you know, we, we enjoy watching it, even to make fun of it. And I said, well, let's watch it. And so I got all three episodes. Now, I will say this, for once in its, like, fucking life in recent seasons, it actually had an interesting subplot that was worthy of discussion. So I won't bore you with the details, but basically they get in this thing called the Commonwealth, which is, you know, um, they constantly do this in Walking Dead. Like, they come into a sort of civilization, and they've set up a city, blah, blah, blah. Like, but they've done it more successfully than the million other cities that they've set up. So this has got, like, uh, laws and blah, blah, blah. And it's actually got an economy. Now, and this is what I said to Michelle. Like, they've so they've created this safe haven, and the people are, you know... You can work security, which is what Daryl and um, the other girl, I forget, I don't even know what her name is. I don't forget it. I don't know her name. But the other girl and, you know, they're, they're the sort of hard asses, you know, and so they're going to work security and that's how they're going to get into this city. But to do that, they've got to go through basic training and live in these, like, uh, what would be called, like, slum houses in a regular society. Now, I said to Michelle... Isn't it interesting that even in sort of this fake city, 
fake civilization that they introduce the money uh, you know there's there, there's currency and people get allowances and blah 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 and i and i said isn't it interesting that we always revert to that um you know because obviously the world outside is completely decimated by you know zombies and i just wanted to bring it up to you rich like you know what do you think man like about that kind of stuff like because in this, there's very much the have and have nots. Like the people who've got like medicine or, or whatever are living on like a really great lifestyle, whereas outside all the peons are really scrambling. And there's a big resistance forming against the government, which is probably inevitably going to tear apart the Commonwealth reach and they're probably going to have to leave as always. And yet another mythical destination falls apart. Like, do you know what I mean? I, I thought it was an interesting plot to bring in. Um, do you think in that, in that situation um, we would have money again or do you think that humans could survive and have a society in this nuclear wasteland almost without money? What do you think? Um, no. Well, the, the problem is and the, one of the reasons why as a civilization we have money mm. is so that people that have nothing to barter with have something to give. Yeah. So, you know, I mean people always go, Oh, we go for barter system. Yeah, that's great. If you've got something to barter with sure, or for, but there are people that don't have, you know what I mean? Like if you're a mm. farmer, you can barter with cows or chickens yeah, or yeah, yeah. milk or whatever, or eggs and stuff. But mm. you know, if you're a baker, you can barter for bread. You know what I mean? So, I mean, barter systems are great, but currency is there for people that don't have anything to barter with. So they can offer something of value mm. to get the thing that they want. So there'll always be, some kind of currency no matter what mm. like it it may start with a barter system until we get a currency set yeah but because there'll be so many people and not everyone can do something i wonder where the first civilization was that had money i, I was thinking oh, that jesus mate like like oh, egypt that, I mean... babylonia somewhere like that samaria i don't know one of these early ones you know well, i mean probably because i mean you would have to pay the You'd have to pay the workers for building those pyramids. I mean, a lot of people go, oh, slaves. Not all of them. Some of them were actual workers. Not yeah. all of them were slaves. Yeah. Oh, they um, definitely had money in Egypt. I'm just saying, like, yeah, at I'm, what I'm point? Just trying to, I'm just trying to think of, like, how far back. But, I mean, geez, you you got to go very, very far back. We've yeah. had we've had some currency. Every We've mm. had currency in our civilizations for a very, very long time. Mm. Like, I was going to say another form of currency would be flesh, like people bartering with their bodies as well that would have been a very sort of like way to climb yeah, the, the chain is you can you can run out of that <laughs> yeah, yeah i'm just there's putting, no way to get new flesh though that's the problem yeah, i'm just though. putting it putting it out there like there are all sorts of things like but what is but what is sorry but what is the currency though because it has to be something that they can produce no it's bullshit it's just made up it's like an allowance so it's like tokens no, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what is it? Like, what is it that you get? Because obviously, it can't be dollar bills. It pretty no much is. Money it, no, it is. is it? It, yeah, it's it's like dollar bills. It's like tokens or something. And there's a whole financial system set up. And if you if you yeah, they make a big point of it. They, she's like, oh, it's so weird to be worrying about money again. So to to get an allowance, so uh, Judith, who Daryl has now taken over raising because fucking Rick just died or vanished and. Um, the other woman, uh, Michonne, left. So Daryl's got the job of guiding her now. So he, he, she wanted to buy this record, but she doesn't have an allowance. But she doesn't have an allowance yet because Daryl didn't have a job yet because he was going through the basic training because they've only just gotten accepted in society. 
inevitably, of course, he's like one of the biggest badasses ever, so he, he gets a job, and um, suddenly he's fucking everywhere, and he has an allowance then at the end, which he can share with Judith. So there is, a, it's like tokens or something, you know. It's there's like a system. Mm. It's not, it's not. They don't go into heaps of detail, but there's definitely a. Uh, they, it, they make a big production about there's the haves, and the haves are living kind of like a really glitzy lifestyle, and it, it's a, it's the daughter of like a president or something or a congressman, um, who's leading it, and she's just like fucking full of hot air. And then there's like a resistance element forming of these people saying this is bullshit, like we're being locked out, you know, this is just like it used to be, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I'm sure it'll all go pear-shaped as always in Walking Dead, like, you know, always. Oh, well, I mean, that's that's the motto of Walking Dead, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it did. It's rinse and repeat like you wouldn't believe. Like, there's been so many of these fucking cities that people have set up that I lose, I, I lose, I, I say to Michelle, I don't even know what we're even doing. Now, what these characters are even doing, where they're going, I've lost track. They they, they name check places, but like it's just so blinking you miss it, like where it is. Like you have no sense of place. At least with this Commonwealth story, they've definitely committed to it for the rest of the season, so you could kind of fo- follow it. It was interesting, so I thought of bringing it up. But I, I mean, I agree with you. Um, it it seems to be money, you know. I'm not sure in that civilization if money would have the same import, though. If you knew zombies were outside the walls, man, you know, and the world was decimated, would people really... I guess people would be working because they know that if they don't, they'll be kicked out, basically. You know? Well, as I said, I mean, that that's the thing, unfortunately, is that, like, um, yeah, you... The thing is, money is important. That's the mm. problem. Like, or a currency is important because you need people need things have to have a value. Yeah, you know what I mean. And again, we as I said, you can't a barter system can only get you so far mm. because if someone's if no one's got anything to barter for, then they'll steal. But if someone can go and earn money by doing something, they can then use that money to buy the thing that they want. I mean, it, it's kind of like a necessity. Like, yeah. For, for, for people to be able to, uh, well, develop wealth, own things and all that sort of stuff. I mean, look, I'm sure this didn't happen overnight. Yeah. You know, because I mean, what, Walking Dead's been at what, how long is it now? 10 years or something? Feels like it. Sure. Yeah. No, it's season 11. But this it's is this season 11. Commonwealth, so. Yeah. This Commonwealth has been there for uh, probably a few years, you know? Yeah. But I, what, my point is that when they set it up, they didn't do a money thing. But once they had set up and they developed. Uh, whatever the society rules were, then then they probably started looking at okay, well, how are we going to pay people? How are people going to earn things? How can people trade? Yeah, you know, goods and stuff and all that. I mean, as I said, you have to, otherwise, it just becomes a I take what I want. Yeah, sort of. Well, world. yeah, if, that's if you, the... if you cannot offer something for something that you want, then all you can do is steal. It can't just be a free for all, you know. It would just be chaos. No, well, I mean, it, it can, but I mean, yeah, it would just be anarchy. It would be, yeah. it would just be like total chaos of just people taking whatever the fuck they wanted and probably even killing whoever they wanted to get what they want. So here we go: the Mesopotamian shekel, the first known form of currency, emerged nearly five thousand years ago. The earliest known mints date to six hundred and fifty and six hundred BC in Asia Minor where the elites of Lydia and Ionia, which were Greek states, used stamped silver and gold coins to pay armies. So yeah. so they go back 5,000 years, which is a long time. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. It's been, a, it's been part of our 
To have a society, okay, you do need a, a currency of some sort, I think. I, I, I don't know if you needed this post-apocalyptic thing, but maybe they got big enough that that was a problem, you know? If it starts out well, as, as said, 20 you, people... You, you do, otherwise people just start stealing. Like, yeah. if you're living in a society and you, you can't get what you want because you've got nothing, yeah, right, you don't have a chicken to trade or, mm. you know, you've got no ingredients to make bread so you can trade for something, well, then what do you do? The only thing you're left to do is steal. Also, you can't... Let's like, say you want to have an army, right? You've mm. set up a, a city, a town, a civilization, whatever, you need to protect it, right? Not, from, not just from zombies, but other invading forces... You need to pay your army somehow. You can't just pay them in bread yeah. or chickens. Mm. You know what I mean? Because one, you don't have enough of that stuff anyway. So you need some sort of like fake yeah. value system where they can earn something that you declare has value that they can then use to buy yeah. things. I agree. Buy, I agree. Yeah, with you. I'm thinking, what if it was like a commune with like 20 people and then the zombie apocalypse happened? You don't need a currency there, but you do need everyone to be putting in. Oh, look, I mean, yes, I mean, if you're talking, yeah, of course. I mean, a commune of like 20 or 30 people is fine because mm. if everyone, but but then that's it. But then everyone has to chip in. That's it. Otherwise, or someone exiled. will turn and say, hey, that guy's not pulling his weight or, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm doing all the work. So even that's not a perfect system. That's not perfect. System no, no, I'm, I'm yeah, it's not perfect. So, you know, as I say, I mean, look, ah, the problem is it's not just thing as a perfect system. Yeah. Like every single system has its. Dave's dictatorship, Caesar, Rome. What are you talking about? Yes, and they all and they all died. Oh, eventually, <laughs> just eventually, rich with the Roman Empire. Come on, it lasted a long time. Yeah, but but no, but my problem with but as I said, everything has negatives. The negatives of the dictatorship is that you literally everyone will what? kill to become the next dictator. Mm. Well, so you know everything's got its downside. You're talking about the tragic end of Caesar, one of the greatest of all time. Not just Caesar. God, so many of the emperors were fucking <laughs> killed. Like seriously. <laughs> It's almost hard to find one that wasn't. Yeah, I know. I know. But yes, indeed. No, fascinating stuff. And I thought that was worthy of signal discussion. Now, Norman Reedus is still pumping this Ghost Rider rumour, Mill. He's saying, fingers crossed. I'm starting to see him as the Rider, man. I saw it. I was watching Walking Dead. I was thinking, man, he could play the Rider. He could play the Rider like there was nobody's business. I seriously... I can see it, man. I'm, ha- I'm, I'm happy for, for Norman Reedus to do the voice of the Ghost Rider. Yeah. But if you're talking about um, playing uh, Johnny, Johnny Blaze, Blaze. Yeah. I would still prefer someone like maybe like a Chinese, uh, Charlie Hunnam or something like that. Sure. Why? Younger? Younger. I also think he's just got the, the, the look um, with the, the, the blondish hair and whatever. I just, I just, when I look at him, I just see more of a Johnny Blaze than Norman Reedus. I just, I just don't see. Yeah. Norman Reedus just doesn't look like Johnny Blaze to me. But um, I would love it if they're like, well, how would you like to do the voice? I'll tell you what for, I'd love. For Ghost Rider. Yeah. What about an animated Ghost Rider movie? You know, I know he's the, he's in a great episode of um, Hulk and Fantastic Four, but I'd watch the hell out of an animated film. You know, I'm surprised they haven't done it. Um, be cool. You know, you could play the voice there. Animated Ghost yeah. Rider would rock, man. You know? I think it'd be awesome. I love Ghost Rider, dude. Um, now, I know you do. I, do, I just love the Rider, just in general. feels like freedom, I always say. I always say that to Brian Biggie. And by the way, a big shout-out to Brian Biggie and Inner Demons. And if you're thinking Rider, think about checking out Inner Demons, one of the greatest shows on The Collective. And uh, Brian Biggie, he, he's a jester. He's a jester. Me and Ray, gods of the game, he's, he's the court jester, and he entertains. He entertains, puts out a show, it's just solid gold. 
Now, and he's he's in the depth of knowledge on Ghost Rider. I can talk about Ghost Rider for hours with him, you know. And, and for me, it's very simple. Like, it feels like freedom. He's like, it's not freedom, Dave. It's a deal with the devil. I'm like, yeah, still roaming, you know. I'm like, I, I don't understand why he's not the writer twenty four seven. Like, I just stay as the writer. Like Johnny Blaze, you know, it's cool, but like, give me the writer. Now, uh, I don't think. Yeah. Well, it depends though, because I mean. Depending on what Ghost Rider you're talking about, yeah, like when he was written, a lot uh, older Ghost Rider could only come out at night. Sometimes, and when the sun came out, and a lot of the twice. time, it depends yeah. on who's writing it and what era we're talking about. I, I'm currently reading the James DeMatteis uh, run, which concl- he wrapped up the original Ghost Rider run, and in in that, Blaze is trying to resist the writer a lot, and the writer's like mm. massively trying to angle in on you know his life. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah, Spectre, yeah, I must be honest, Spectre and Ghost Rider are very similar. Yeah, they are. They are pretty cool characters. Um, did they have a team-up ever or a, or a battle, you know, in like Marvel vs. DC? No, I was always disappointed that the that uh, Spectre and the Ghost Rider didn't face off in that Marvel vs. DC thing. Yeah, they should have. They should have. Uh, now, Richard, we have to know the fifth Indiana Jones film is officially in the can. Wish it was in the bin. <laughs> I'm going to watch it, man. Come on, Reg. Harrison's got one more left in him. Oh, I don't know. Well, he didn't die. Know. They managed to get in the can. There you go. That's success. Oh my god! I, I just I keep remembering I keep remembering the Crystal Scale and watching hoblog legged um, <laughs> Harrison Ford running around like an old man. I was just like, oh my god, please stop, mate! Like your legs are so bow legged now from being so old. <laughs> man, I, I I shuffle around like him. Um, you know. Uh, God bless him. I love him. Now, um, Marvel Defenders shows and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. are all hitting Disney+. Plus. I think uh, March 16 with new parental controls, and that includes Punisher. All the shows are coming to Disney+. Plus. So finally, Rich, they're all going to be available on Disney+, Plus, and I am a happy camper. And that includes Punisher, man. Okay. So how about this? Jennifer Aniston walked off the Friends reunion set several times because I think it brought back too many supposedly painful memories for her. I was like... Gee, getting paid all that money must have, you know, like literally. Does anyone actually care? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, she did. She was, she was kind of like going on about it, but I was like, really, seriously, love. Like, how tough was it, really? Like, you were the poster girl for, you know, a good five, six years there, and you know, every woman wanted to be like you, and you know, you were commanding massive fees. Doesn't Which sound that fascinating to me because she was like the most boring character. She in the was show. quite dull. Yeah, I agree. She was like literally probably the most dull character in the show. Yeah, I agree. But I mean, she was nice. I, I quite like Jennifer Aniston since. I've always liked her. But yeah, I was, I was. I was. It was weird to me that she was like so upset about it. I was like, well, God, what's to be upset about? Really, you know, like didn't seem to have substance abuse issues or anything. Like um, you know, Chandler did. Uh, he's been in and out of rehab several times. That guy. Ah, uh, it's just someone looking for sympathy for nothing. Pity party. Pity party mm. for, for a very rich individual, you know? Um, Timothy Oliphant and his collection of big hats could soon be reunited with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood director Quentin Tarantino, who apparently is going to direct some of the issues of the rebooted Justified. Richard, have you watched Justified? Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I think I watched the first two seasons and then I just forgot about it. Yeah. Well, it's coming back, and apparently Tarantino is very interested in uh, directing some episodes. Okay. Now, 
Richard, uh, we've got a news item here, which was actually interesting. My, my dad has waited on this topic. So Spielberg, fresh off the flop that was West Side Story, um, is going to make a movie based on the character of Frank Bullitt in Steve McQueen's Bullet. Um, and I was just like, I read this and I was like, the reason we all went and saw Bullet and have watched it was Steve McQueen and the car. It wasn't the fascinating character study of Frank Bullitt. Um, and Spielberg begs to differ and is going to proceed with this storyline about the other stories of Bullitt. Like, I just think this has just got colossal failure written all over it and also massively unnecessary. My dad has weighed in. It took a while to get him to understand what I was saying and then he was just like, no, God, no, please no. Um, and Richard, where are you on it? I don't care. I'm sure it's going to be shit, so it doesn't really matter. Mm. I said to my dad, my theory about how they could do the character, like the, the image of Steve McQueen and, you know, punch in his dialogue and do all that stuff, like a computer generated Steve McQueen doing stuff. And he was like against that as well. Once he understood what I was saying, um, I just think Spielberg, like, honestly, like, what the oh, fuck? Oh, they're not going to be going that. They're, they're not going to be going that route, though. They're going to be. No. it'll be a whole new actor. Yeah. Some Brad Pitt or someone playing Bullet, you know. And I just don't understand. Do they? I, I don't think you can even go close to Steve McQueen. Like really, I don't think anyone in this current generation, or you know, current... well, again, they're not. They're not going for Steve McQueen. They're just going for the the, the Frank Bullet. Yeah, but like, dude, really seriously, like Steve McQueen inhabited the role it wasn't that fascinating a character when you watch it it was steve mcqueen being cool and like you know anti-authority and all that kind of stuff like yeah i get it but i mean i mean we've, again we've done prequels and shit where we we change the actors so yeah. it's not it's not out of the realm it's just that i'm just so fucking fascinated of how, how far back we go into create properties now like <laughs> are we so again are we so bankrupt are we so bankrupt of ideas today that we literally have to go back to the 1960s now mm. to to find interesting characters are we that are, are, is that where we are now where we are literally just well, yeah. go back and go oh god oh that was an interesting character from the 1960s let's make a movie about that and it's like uh, there must you know what I, I think to myself sometimes there must be there must be so many screenwriters out there right mm. who write screenplays because no, that's their job mm. And they must be pulling their hair out because, like, no one is making, you know, yeah. their movie. New stuff. No one is, is, is taking a chance on their scripts. And I think to myself, my God, could you imagine if Hollywood was like that in the 80s mm. and the 90s? But they're like, no, 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 we just got to remake things from the 60s and the 70s. Nothing. Yeah, I just think it's really new. flawed. I mean, Hollywood's always done remakes, but, but this thing where it just feels like fucking Spielberg just looking through movies just to see what he can generate i mean this is just desperate to me this is just but this dude, but, so desperate but look look at like the look at the 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 80s and the 90s the great thing about the 80s and the 90s is all these terrible bad movies yeah because people took chances yeah you know there were so many people that wanted to make movies that they would just like find a script and go oh this sounds interesting let's make this movie and yes a lot of times it was a flop but it it, it, it gives us such a, such a rich history of like watching good bad movies do you know what i mean mm. like I, I just feel like that's lost now it's like every movie has to be this you know fantastic movie mm. 
mm. and must make money. And it's like, why don't we just make movies, man? Just find scripts. You well, know, my dad made a point too. Thousands of people writing scripts every day. I hear you. My dad made a point too. He said that the character of Bullet, like anti-authority, you know, how he was all like that, he says that's been replicated by so many shows and movies. You know, that sort of character. Yeah, of yeah which is a good point. Like, I, 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 what I'm trying to say is I don't think... I don't really... Uh, to me, when I watch that movie, I'm watching Steve McQueen, you know? Um, I, I just don't see... I just don't see it as a, as a vehicle for reproduction. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'll be completely convinced otherwise, but to me, I would have been more impressed if McQueen... Uh, sorry, McQueen. If Spielberg had said, I'm going to shoot a 1960s period cop drama and it's going to have car chases and all sorts of shit in it, but not call it a bullet... You know, but do his take on that genre kind of thing. You know, that, or, 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 but, you know? Or, or not even just that, Dave. Like, look at like, okay, I, I f- absolutely love the Reacher TV show, right? Mm-hmm. I thought it was great, and I'm looking forward to more episodes and seasons uh, from the the, the Lee Child books, right? Mm-hmm. But there are so many great authors out there who have written great characters that deserve a shot at either a movie or a TV show. Yeah, like there are. Thousands upon thousands true. and thousands of true. books out there. Demon Sulfighter? Demon Sulfighter's one. There you go. There's another. There's a fantasy. There's a sci fi one for you. But yeah. I mean, there's so many genres of books out there novels, great series. It's true. It's very true. Why don't you go for them? Go to a fucking bookshelf and find yeah. something like, you know, like Reacher or. Um, uh, there was another one. Shit, what's the guy's name? Um, you had Chuck Dixon's Leave on K, which uh, Sly picked up, he has optioned. We know that. I mean, there's, there's tons of them. I mean, there's, you know. Oh, there's so many. I mean, I worked in a bookshop, and let me tell you, I, I thought so many of those books could be great TV shows or movies or had great characters. Like, And it just bothers me that they just keep going back to a well of things that have been done before or characters that have been done before. Well, it's like saying it's like saying um, uh, Casablanca. And, okay, one day someone's going to get the bright idea to redo Casablanca, and it's going to completely fail because it won't be Casablanca as it was. But... It's like Spielberg's gone, you know what would be really interesting? Stories of Rick uh, outside the club. And it's like there's more to Rick, I think, than there is to Bullet. Because if you remember, Bullet doesn't speak a lot. You know what I mean? Like a lot of that movie, it's an interesting movie uh, because he's quite a bare character in a lot of ways. But Rick, you've got a little bit of story to work with. But even still, I'm just like, God, how desperate. How fucking desperate. Oh, God, yeah. yeah oh, like, yeah. Jesus said, Christ. I mean, you, what you just described there now was also Reacher, yeah. which is a character doesn't talk much and hates authority. Yeah, which is funny because he, he's a military guy, but he's a guy that's almost like uh, given up on the military, or yeah. you know, he's turned his back on that a bit. He's now a Roma. He just goes wherever he feels like it, you know, uh, and it, he hates authority. You know what I mean? He hates yeah. being told what to do. Mm. You know, has no like identification, any any form of like government shit and i'm like there's so many characters like that i mean what yeah. you just described bullet there i automatically my brain would go oh, that's like reacher so yes there's so many characters like that like you could make us anything you could do a show and make it anything you wanted i i always felt when i think of if you remember in the 90s they did a lot of movies of old tv shows and i think one of the most popular and successful was the fugitive they did the fugitive and i and i as you know i'm a big fan of the 60s show uh, and we watched the Harrison Ford movie, and it really is a good movie. It really is strong. 
Um, but there was a lot of other attempts that didn't succeed as well. But they, the 90s was big for doing that. Like you had, uh, for example, The Saint, I remember, the Val Kilmer. Maverick. Maverick, yeah. And, yeah, and some of these were hits. But they were, I almost feel with the show, at least, you've got a... Again, I, it's not perfect, but you've you've got a sort of few seasons, and you know you try to distill the essence down into a movie. Um, I would I would take that over fucking Spielberg looking through the scraps. It almost feels like the crumbs, and going, oh yeah, I can I can spin a movie out here, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, when did Spielberg become so fucking without any? It just like has he just sacrificed everything like? Where's the guy who did E.T., you know, and, and all these other great movies that he has done? And, like, where does that imagination gone? It's just, like, really... I, I'm disappointed to hear Spielberg's doing this. Well, to be fair, he's, he's too tired and too rich to care about, you know... Yeah, but maybe it's time to hang it up at that point, man. You know? Well, that's my point. The, like, if you've made a name for yourself, as if you're as big a name as Steven Spielberg, you don't even really have to try, do you? <laughs> But he's made good movies in the last twenty years. Like the Post was a really good movie, I thought. I, really yeah, no, but that was, movie. but yeah, but twenty years later, he's much older now. He's much richer. Well, the Post was like five years ago. The Post, he did. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, just... I don't know. I think. He, look, I don't know. Like, it, maybe this is just a passion project for him. Maybe it's just a really big. That's fucking hilarious. Fan. Yeah, but. Ugh, yeah, but uh, to me, a really big bullet fan wouldn't be coming up with this stupid idea. Um, it's just a really. I, I, well, look. To be fair, it's still early days. I mean, yeah. whatever he's doing could change. Yeah, that's true. Uh, now we had this week, Richard, the first appearance of Ninja Punisher, um, the Punisher <laughs> leader of the hand. Basically, I, I, I battled my way through the Electra. Uh, she's dead, ever. I mean, I slogged my way through that story to get to the last page where Frank Castle. Um, is there is and his line is something like just point me where the killing starts. It's like okay, Frank, and like no. And did and did, and did Electra say? Oh my God, that's so gay, Frank. No, no, Electra didn't say it. No, he's in opposition to Electra because she's now. No, I know, yeah. I know. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm making a callback to the. Um, yeah, the Eric Larson's ridiculous, um, <laughs> ridiculous uh, comments of last week, which I just love that. I love that we're calling him the Ninja Punisher. <laughs> It's just so stupid. Like, like, uh, like, uh, I pray to Jesus that he's brainwashed because that's the only way that this story makes any sense. Um, now, remember we were reporting on Sean Penn was filming in the, in the Ukraine, which is a bit of a hot situation right now, Rich. Uh, well, he's fled the Ukraine on foot. He says he walked miles to the Polish border with camera crew in tow. I mean, what a fucking colossal joke Sean Penn is. Like... He wants to insert himself into the news. The second it got too hot, he was hightailing like you wouldn't believe, man. Like, this this is a guy who has so little credibility to me. Um, this is a guy whose dinghy sank when he went to supposedly help at Hurricane Katrina, again with the camera crew in tow. Um, we got to witness that. This time we're going to witness him. Well, if, him, no, one, you know, if no one records it, it didn't happen, you know. Yeah, now we're going to witness him <laughs> fleeing Ukraine. I mean, this is a guy, he just... He's obviously surrounded by yes men, you know. He's just surrounded by people telling him every fucking move's a killer, because I just think he, I just think he's he's a dumb activist. He's he's, he's yeah. so he's so enamored in the activism that he doesn't. Yeah. I don't think he thinks things through. No, he doesn't. I think he, he he it's hilarious. I mean, it's a comedy almost to me. Like it's a it almost should have the Benny Hill fucking soundtrack 
following him around because he's so con- like it's comical. He's so convinced that he's making a difference, Rich. You know, when really all he's doing is is a minor nuisance at best. And you know, it's just funny. Can you imagine him just like pontificating and stuff, like having to sit there and listen to it? I just I, I don't know, I fall asleep. Well. I- the, but but this is what I find so funny, and not just Sean Penn. It's just it's it's most celebrities in general, right? Mm. The, it's it's people who 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 think they're fighting for like climate change and you know uh, equal rights and stuff and all that. But then when you actually look at them, they like jet set around on private jets. They have massive mansions that yeah. is far too big for like three people or even two people or one person that choose electricity. <laughs> and I just think, and I just think to myself, I just. Are you that like yeah. unself-aware that it's you fun. have a far bigger footprint? Yeah, a- and the damage that you cause, but yet you're telling other people how they must be. Oh, better. dude! Like, don't get me started. <laughs> I will say this: at least one of my favorite songwriters, Jackson Brown, who's a massive Hollywood liberal, he lives off the grid and has the whole fucking solar power, like blah but blah that's blah. That's fine. Hey, I, if that's cool, man. If you, if you're a if you're a rich, famous celebrity, but you're living a you know, a, a respectable home, you know, uh, you, you don't take up like 72 acres, you know, uh, deforesting to, to build your mansion and you like don't I get would. set around. I'm okay. I'm, I'm like, hey, cool, man. If you, I, I'd be like, you know, fuck it. I'd have the gates up. I'd have the guards on the gates. And I, mine That's would be, fine, Dave, that's, as long as you don't tell other people how bad they are. I wouldn't, unless there was cash involved. Then I would. <laughs> <laughs> like, wheel me out for the fucking... You know, I wouldn't be joining Sean Penn in the Ukraine. Fuck that. Um, that's that's way too... I will say this about Sean Penn. At least he had the balls to go to a hot war situation. I mean, the, he's a crazy Did idiot. Did he, though? I've got to see the footage, though. Yeah, I... I you know, well, I miles and miles and miles Supposedly, away. he was at the press conference with the Ukraine president early on. Then I think he realised it was getting a bit too hot for his little tootsies and, you know... He is really... there a video of him there, or was just... Did he send his... There is, a, there is a... There is an image of him with his fucking hard hat on, looking like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like... I don't know. It's just bullshit. Now, one of my favourite actors, Sam Elliott, put Jane Campy on and Power of Dog on blast. He did not like that piece of shit movie. He was going on and on about it to Mark Maron on his podcast um, about how he, this woman from New Zealand doesn't understand the American West and he had all these complaints that the... The, the actors were dressed like the Cowboys were dressed like Chippendales. And he was really going on a rant. It was pretty funny, man. He was on a real tear about it. And in a Sam Elliott. I'm not familiar with this. Oh, yeah, it's funny, man. Like Sam Elliott, you might know him with the guy with the mustache. Oh, don't worry. I know who Sam Elliott is. Yeah, he's. Well, he was talking Tombstone, to Mark Maron. Tombstone. Yeah, he was. He was. Um, yeah, so he was He was on Mark Maron's podcast and he just went on a real rant about how much he hates Power of the Dog. And um, he, he couldn't understand, like, the allusions to homosexuality. And Mark Brown's like, well, I think that was the point of the movie. And he just, he really disliked the movie. It was pretty funny, actually. Um, just getting uh, getting on his high horse. Now, we have some news, Richard, about the Craven the Hunter movie. And I want to tag in, um, I want to tag in uh, Ray, who helped me here. So, Arena de Bosse... Uh, has her sights set on her next major project. The Oscar-nominated West Side Story star is set to join Craven the Hunter, starring Aaron Taylor-Johnson in the titular role. Although it's unconfirmed, uh, sources say DeBosse will play Calypso in the movie. Are you familiar with Calypso, Rich? Mm, Ray, 
No, well, I wasn't. So I said to, I went to Ray because Ray's got a really extensive Spider-Man knowledge, like including stuff that I haven't read or you know wasn't reading at the time. He says this is from Ray. Calypso was, I think, introduced during the premiere of the Adjectless Spider-Man title by McFarlane. She's a creepy customer, voodoo and primal. Pretty cool, man. Pretty damn cool, I think. Um, sort of a voodoo character for the for the Craven movie. Um, are you looking forward to Craven, Rich? No, I'm. I'm nothing. Nothing. Will you see Morbius well, in I, cinemas? You know what? I will check out Morbius because I mean I'm not a Jared Leto fan or anything like that. But I must be honest when he when he is Morbius, it does look pretty cool. It did look cool. I thought it was a cool trailer. Um, so I'll, I'll check it out. In in fact, maybe uh, since you shouted the Batman, maybe if you want to, I'll shout Morbius. Oh yeah, okay. I'll take you up on that offer. Um, now, Mad Max Fury Road star uh, Charlize Theron says she didn't feel safe on set due to tensions with co-star Tom Hardy. I read this. Apparently, it almost got physical between the two of them at one point, uh, physical in a bad way. Um, yeah, what do you think, Rich, about this? That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Charlize Theron always come, has always come across as a bit of a bitch. I'm a big fan of Charlize Theron, but, uh, <laughs> but, but Tom Hardy as well is very much the method actor, you know. Clash of yeah, styles. but also the problem is, is, is uh, Tom Hardy is also very reserved. Mm. Um, I don't think Tom Hardy is a guy that likes bullshit yeah. or drama. And let me be honest with you, Charlie Theron is probably nothing but drama. <laughs> I mean, seriously, drama has been part of her whole life. I mean, her mother yeah. killed her father, really? all that sort of shit. So, I mean, drama has been a big part life. of this woman's life. Yeah. Oh, wow. In South Africa. Wow. Really? Okay. Well, so I think, and the, you know, and she's also like, oh, my, you know, my, my kids trans and all this sort of, you know, which almost every celebrity's kids is these days. But I mean, she, I just think she's a person that really thrives on drama. Right. And Tom Hardy is like the complete opposite. Right. Tom Hardy is very much of like, just leave me alone. Yeah. Let me do the movie. And apparently the storyline was that um, she was, she turned up on time and he kept the crew waiting for like three hours. And when he turned up. She was having a massive go at him, and then he kind of blew up, blew up at her, and said, "What did you say to me?" And all this, and then they had to kind of be separated. Um, so it was like, you know, it was high drama on set. But I mean, honestly, really, I mean, Chris Hemsworth, uh, yeah, don't Chris, care at the end of the day. No, I don't really care either. Chris Hemsworth is going to play the lead villain in Furiosa, which is ironically the prequel story to Fury Road. Um, so Chris Hemsworth is playing the lead villain. Well, it's a chance for him, I guess, to stretch his acting. You know. Uh, I would have loved to have seen him play a villain opposite uh, actual Mad Max. I don't sure. really give a shit about Furiosa. Yeah, okay. Um, Elden Ring director, oh gee, I'm going to butcher this name, Hataka Misaki, limited the scope of George R. R. Martin's contributions to the Miyaz- story. Miyazaki. 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 So Martin didn't feel constrained by some obscure mechanic that might have to change in development. So basically he did background law. Um, I wonder how much he got paid for that. Surely he got paid a fair chunk of change to bother doing that. You know, I mean... Uh, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure we've got a, a pretty uh, coin purse. Do you reckon a few million? Probably. Surely. A million? To, no. I would think so. Why would you do it otherwise, Rich, if you're George R. R. Martin? Maybe something like, you know, 150,000. I doubt that. I, I almost guarantee it was north of 2.5 million to bother doing it. When you've got so much other stuff on, it'd have to be a decent payday. To bother doing it in the first place, I, I wouldn't get out of bed for two hundred fifty. I just don't know if a game studio can really afford to pay a writer that much for yeah. when when you have to make money on that fucking game. 
Yeah, but then maybe they think they bring a lot of people in by using his name, you know? Because they throw that name in, there's a lot of people who are like, oh, George R. R. Martin, I, I was one of those people. I was like, oh, sweet, he's involved, you know? Or maybe they're giving him a cut of the profits or something. Maybe, yeah. Now, did you hear about Jason Aaron? This week, uh, we've had a controversy, a Pocahontas controversy, Richard. Um which was the character in King Conan 3 is the original name of Pocahontas, like her tribal name or whatever. And he's not playing Pocahontas, but anyway, um, some people online, guess what, Rich? It's an outrage. How could Marvel have ever greenlit this? Because the true story of Pocahontas is quite tragic, you know, and oh, my God. And, um, yeah, he he apologised and paid his... uh, Paid his salary from the the comic to um I think an Indian or Native American, and I think they also I believe they're going to be changing they are. the reprints. Yeah, to to what are, what are they going to do? Just change the name because it was a fictional character. What he wasn't. No, apparently they're going to uh, cover her up some more as well. Oh Jesus! Right. All oh, right. So they're going to make adjustments to the art as well. Right. Okay, but but okay, but it wasn't Pocahontas. Did they realise that it wasn't the character of Pocahontas from the movie Pocahontas? Man, you can't you can't argue with crazy people on the yeah, internet. Sure. By the way, I can I just say I am so tired of <laughs> the the no seriously the loud minority having so much power. Yeah, over entertainment. I am really 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 fucking tired of a, 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 a few hundred people who don't even read the comic. Yeah get outraged and demand change and then people actually bow down to them. I'm well, uh, sorry, but... Yeah. I'll tell you what you pissed know. me off too is one of the women who was having a big old moan about it um, was like, and you know who Jason Aaron is? He's a white writer who wrote Scalped about an Indian reservation and that should give you enough pause. And it's like, oh, here we go. You know, one of the best crime series that... that, that anyone's ever put out and she's bagging that she hasn't read it you know what i mean but, oh no 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 because she probably thinks scalp meaning that it's it's about indian scalping people yeah she's an idiot she was calling it poverty porn and all this other bullshit like she and just blasting away and i'm just like i'm so tired of it man it's just so fucking meaningless i but wish they, Jason these are the people that are ruining entertainment they like are. honestly they are. if any person conan fan <laughs> lover of fantasy read that i don't think any of them would have had a problem. I, I, I read it and I couldn't have cared less. I didn't And considering that most people don't even know Pocahontas' real name, I had no I idea. Doubt most people, people reading would have even known It's that. set in a fantasy land of Hyboria. It's not set in, uh, you know, America. It, you know, blah, blah, blah. The story goes on. It's a fucking fantasy land. I'm sorry. Take a fucking seat. You know, and if they're worried about, like, the skin showing, well. That's been Conan, also, I, you know, since the I, start. I want to point out that that character isn't even, I think, Indian in the story. She's more of like kind of Mayan. Yeah. Well, you know, it's more if you look at her, like the, her, the way she's dressed yeah. and the headpiece and all that sort of stuff. I that screams like Inca, Mayan, South American <laughs> to me. It does not scream uh, Native American. So. Yeah. Where's the fucking headdress? He probably just liked the name, honestly. Where are they on... Um, oh, that's a cool name. Where, they, where are they on the Dean Martin song? There's too many Indians. No, too many chiefs. Not enough Indians. Round this house. You know, I bet they don't like that one. Yeah. I love it, though. I absolutely <laughs> love it. Where are they on the fucking new Young song, Pocahontas? Pocahontas. Oh, but, but, I mean, I mean, hey, hey, don't forget, uh, the original Peter Pan animated movie 
people are like, oh, then the the Indian song needs to be taken out of that, you know? Really? Why though? They have the, the because it's offensive and racist. Fuck these people! Like it's just so fucking ridiculous. I mean, but you know what? But you know, you know what kind of bothers me? I almost get to the point where I'm like, you do realize that the more you complain, <laughs> the more likely you're going to make it that they just will go fine. We won't do any Indian. Where are they or, on the Indian in the or village any people? Minorities or, or any, but you know what I mean? Like all these people complaining every yeah. time people try to do something, like whether it's a white guy created a new Asian character, whatever, mm. if they're all going to scream and moan, then literally everyone's just going to go, then fine, I won't do that. I will just write white characters. Mm. Yeah, you know what the, I mean? Like yeah. you are seriously... But aren't they always like, we want YouTube. representation, we want this, we want that? But then when you do it, they complain that you haven't done it right. Oh, fuck. Or that they've they've viewed it as what you've done is inappropriate. But what was so... Yeah, I, 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 I don't quite understand what the big fucking deal is at the, at the end of the day. I'm just like... Uh, because it's her name and it, apparently it's degrading and oh, blah, Jesus. blah, blah. Oh, fuck's sakes, man. Like, Where were they? Are they okay with the Pocahontas movie that came out like in the 90s? Probably not now, no. <laughs> I mean, even though that thing was like massive. I don't get it. Nominated yeah. for Oscars and shit. Yeah. I'm sure today, no, that's very problematic. Oh, Jesus. Well, fuck them, basically. And, and I, and I, and believe you me, I've always been a big supporter of Native American rights and stuff. And, and, and I really feel that this is, again, a few people really carrying on like way, 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 way too much about something that is just but, so meaningless. But as I said, but but this is also the issue is that what these what these um, activists mm. don't understand is that not every culture is a monolith, right? Sure. So yes, there may be some. Like, like if you have a perfect example, the uh, the Redskins, sure, right in America. Yes, there were some Native Americans who felt that the name and all that was disrespectful. Mm. The right? Washington Redskins they were like claiming there, but there was also Native Americans who liked it. Yeah, I know. It was, yeah, but they don't—they they don't get any play. They don't get any play no, now. Yeah, but, but that's my point. All these people think that because they find it offensive, yeah. or because they've heard that some Native Americans or whatever could find this offensive or find it offensive, they think that all yeah. Native Americans find that I offensive. Know. It's the same. Peter just comes out and he says, "Oh my God, uh, Snow White shouldn't have dwarfs. That's so disrespectful. <laughs> my God, you know, have I done nothing to further dwarfs?" And then. People go, yeah, he's right. Oh, listen to him. The you know, but the take that up and with the writers go, of take that up with no, the no. fucking writers but then you have of all the these story. Other dwarf actors who turn around and say, "Shut your mouth, Peter Dinklage." Yeah, I want to play a dwarf in the new Snow White yeah. movie. Yeah, there's seven rolls up for grabs, and, exactly. and Peter Dinklage, don't fucking be in it. You've been in everything else just because you're the little no dwarf that made good. Is a monolith. Yeah. This is what these people need to understand. No culture, no people. Is a monolith. I loved it when that guy, that other dwarf actor, was saying, um, "Since when is Peter Dinklage the king of the dwarfs?" I, I thought that was fucking <laughs> hilarious. I, no, I, I rated that guy for that comment. That was a great comment. You, for me. But you know, you know what I love is the line that he says where he goes, "Good God!" Like they're doing this movie, a bunch of bo- uh, fucking dwarfs that live in caves. God, and I'm like, they don't live in a cave, you idiot. They live in a house. They work in a cave. They're miners. <laughs> It's they true. don't live in a yeah, cave. Yeah, after work we go. Watch the fucking movie. After work we go. You know, they sing the song and shit? Yeah. yeah. Hi ho, hi ho. Fuck Peter Dinklage go. with his complaints. Like, hey, guess what? Don't. Here's a fucking dwarf role you don't have to be in because you've got such a problem with it, you know? You know what I find fascinating? And this is something that they are, that some famous people do, right? Mm. They try and pull the ladder up. Mm. Oh, right? yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point, Rich. You see with comedians as well, right? They'll make their name on offensive comedy. Yeah. And then as soon as they get like sort of big, 
and whatever, and they see the winds changing. Instead of them sticking up for younger yeah. uh, comics, they go, oh, it's disgusting. That's terrible humor. That, that's got no place in society. I'm like, oh, nice of you to pull the ladder up after you've made a name for yeah. yourself with risky sort of stuff. And it's the same with him. It's like you have made a name for yourself. Almost any single time there was a, a what do you want to call it, a dwarf role, a little person role, whatever term you want to use, yeah. he pretty much got that role. Yeah, he's been there. He's been there front and front of And now that he's famous, he literally wants to like pull the ladder up so that he's the only person that gets those roles. Yeah, no, it's pretty funny. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't even know he was before Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. I know he was in stuff, but I never never saw him. Um, now, good news for you, Rich. Uh, the actor who plays Bender uh, has come to a deal. Oh, it's not. I mean, it's good news for the fans of Futurama. I thought you were a big, big fan of this. Like you were. Up I'm a fan arms, of Joe. Uh, no, no, I'm a fan of uh, John DiMaggio, the voice actor. Okay. I think he's a phenomenal voice actor. But I'm not a big Futurama fan. I just oh. thought I was reporting on the news that a lot of fans were in an uproar because they were doing the reboot, or not the reboot, the um, like this, like the continuation, relaunch, or yeah. whatever continuation of the show, and that he was not coming back as the voice of Bender. And a lot of people were super, super pissed off because he was a fan favorite. Yeah. Bender is like one of the fan favorites in the show. Now, again, I was never a big Futurama fan. I didn't actually find it that funny. Mm. Um, but John DiMaggio is a brilliant voice actor. I mean, he's the guy who plays Marcus Phoenix in bloody uh, Gears of War. Okay, cool. Well, I mean, and, you know, good for him. He negotiated in public. He obviously got a better deal. Yeah. Well, and, and the fans. Up. I mean, I mean, this is, a good, this is a, a good thing where maybe, you know, the fans helped. Yeah, uh, that when they saw the backlash they were getting for not having him as the voice of Bender. Yeah, totally, man. Uh, Grant Morrison on his 2019 DC Comics exit made a comment. This is on his Substack. He said monthly sales of new work were on the wane. Audience engagement seemed in decline, and he was basically saying that the enthusiasm that he had generated, you know, for 10, 15, I mean, more years, twenty plus years, uh, suddenly was more scattered. Just clapping. He was talking about his Wonder Woman series. He was talking about his Green Lantern series. He, he just felt the audience wasn't as engaged. Um, could it have been oversaturation? You know, people had finally hit the end of their Grant Morrison fix on DC. What do you think, Rich? Um, maybe. I, I'll be honest with you. I also just don't think that those were his best work. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I didn't think his Wonder Woman was that great. And I didn't, wasn't a massive fan of his Green Lantern. Um you know, because I mean, the problem with the Green Lantern, I mean, if that was maybe like a an Earth Two, you know, or yep, uh, uh, sort of thing where it's a little bit different, but uh, the the fact that that took over from something that was high octane, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you know, as I said, like uh, Venditti sort of took over from Jeff Johns, and mm-hmm. I don't think he, I don't think he hit the right note. Yeah, I don't think he was he quite got it, but. When they did the rebirth, I think something clicked in him. We did that one and, I really liked, the one with Zod. Yeah, I love that story. And I, and I think he was just in the zone and he was doing this really cool high octane, mm. very heavy action packed, you know, stuff. And then also you just go to this like weird trippy thing. So, I mean, if you, yeah, if you got on board with Green Lantern and Rebirth mm. and you really enjoyed that stuff, mm. then all of a sudden it becomes, you know, Green Lantern season one or whatever, and you're going, what the fuck is this? Where's all the action? Did you stick the... with it? Did you stick with it as a Green Lantern fan or not? Sadly, I no. I try. I, I did read the first. I think that he was calling them seasons. He was. Yeah. I mean, it's it's it, it is it is Grant Morrison, but I was kind of like, yeah, but I mean, I just don't feel it's him at his best. No. Yeah. You know, I mean, 
Yeah, I, I mean, if I compare his Green Lantern and his Wonder Woman to his Justice League run, oh my God, it's not even close, man. You know what? Close, I, I also want to say this, and I'm a Grant Morrison fan. You know, I've, I've, you know, I mean, he's one of the reasons. And, and anyone should be. I mean, yeah. Grant Morrison is a fantastic. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't have to defend. Himself. I don't have to defend myself or him. I mean, a Grant Morrison fan from way back. I've got a ton of his product on my shelf, and we went and saw him live. He was lovely. You know, signed books. Yes, we we went. Yeah, yeah, we went. Br- together brilliant man, brilliant man. I I also think maybe his heart wasn't hundred percent in it. You know, by the end, I think he was kind of... I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that said, I'll tell you a book that we should do on The Signal. It's crazy. It's called Annihilator. Um, it is... a. It is Grant Morrison's creator-owned stuff. It's within the last 10 years. It probably came out six years ago, five years ago, something like that. It is crazy rich, and it is good, too. Really good. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually. Um, and he can be hit or miss with creator own too. As big a fan as I am, he's got stuff that I just turn my nose up at. Like, it's just too weird for me. I just don't get it. Um, but a lot of his creator own stuff, I just lap up. Uh, he's a brilliant writer. And I, I just think that Superman and the Authority, his Green Lantern, you know, it just wasn't... I don't think his heart was as in it as it was with the, his Batman, his JLA, his Animal Man, you know, yada, 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 many examples, you know, his Invisibles. I, I think he was kind of more paycheck performancing by that point. I could be wrong, but, you know. Um, I do think so. I mean, the, the funny thing is, is when, when, he, when he reads the, you know, um, sales were on the wane or, you know, seeing the client, it's almost like he's almost maybe even talking about his interest in... Yeah. Oh, I, I, I think he actively addresses it too. I, I, I don't think he's shying away from it. I think he was saying he was ready to go. That They were pitching that that authoritarian dictator Superman. He's like, that is the wrong way to go. You know, and that's how they kind of got him to do Superman and the authority. But, you know, it felt like he was almost halfway out the door and he was asked to do one last project. And he's like, fine. You know, he's a professional. He can turn the scripts in. But I don't think it was as... I don't know. The energy just wasn't there. And and I agree. The audience, too, like, you know, maybe has moved on a bit. Now, I will say this, though. Like, Jesus Christ, one of the books we've done this week just showed me how far DC's fallen. Um, <laughs> oh, no, we'll get to it soon. Uh, I but, know which one you're talking yeah, about. Don't worry. DC Comics are moving offices yet again to a hot desk model now, Rich. Apparently, uh, no longer will they... After they made the big move to Burbank... Uh, California, they've um, yeah, you you can't come in every day at your desk. It's a hot desk model, so people rotating shifts, desks. Oh, that that's kind of all stuff. because of COVID. So yeah, and apparently productivity's been high at uh, high with people working from home. Yada yada yada. Obviously, office costs. Uh, can, can I? I don't know. Do you know? Can I? Do you know what I? The, the, this is my. This is my. Just my view, right? This is just my sure. interpretation. Sure. I actually think comics suffer when everyone's working from home. As a whole, I mean, not I'm not talking about every single comic. I'm sure. talking about in general as a whole because back in the day when they all worked in the same building, mm. God, the talks they must have had, and you know, talking ideas, and mm. you know, being inspired by each other, and checking out each other's work, and go, oh my God, what you're doing there is fantastic, and you know, getting that motivation by just being surrounded by other creative people. It's been a long time though, man, but it's been this way. And, you know, I know, but I'm just saying like, I, I think there's a reason why comics were at their best then, you know, when you had... Yeah, like, but I your, think even in the 90s, you know, I, I think I, rem- and, I think in the 90s they were working from, I think Chuck Dixon was working from home most of the time, like, you know, like just plucking a name at random. I, I, I don't think it's a, it's a recent thing. 
with comic book writers. No, and I'm artists. not saying recent. I'm just I'm saying it gradually. Yeah. As as we moved further and further and further to now, we uh, at the point where almost no one works at the office. Mm. You know, like almost everyone's working from home. Sure. I just feel like it, it might be a bit stale. You know yeah. what I mean? Where you're not being surrounded by uh, by other yeah, creative. Well artists and writers and stuff and not being able to bounce ideas and share things and you know i mean how many stories do you read where someone's like i'm sitting there and i'm having a struggle and then so and so walks in and mm. he says something and i go oh my god of course you know you just hear those stories from the old writers and artists where just like someone randomly comes in and just gives them the idea or well i'll tell you something Point. I hear you, man. I tell you something. To the 2000 AD artists with they Dave Gibbons talks about it. They were actively in friendly but intense competition with each other to one up each yeah. other. And he would stand over the shoulder of Mike McMahon, going, you know, saying shit to him, and like they were consciously trying to up the ante on each other. You know, they, you know what I mean, that kind of friendly rivalry with yeah. sort of workmates. Yeah, but but I but I will say this. I think it's been that way for a long time and plenty of good comics were done in the 90s and 2000s when people were working from home you know and like yeah, neil gaiman I mean, neil gaiman wasn't was was writing from wherever the hell he was england and he was he was well i think know, they still kind of, i think dc still had uh, a lot of people working in the office in the 2000s because that's when they were in was it la i think no, they moved to LA. Was it New York? They were in New York. They moved to LA yeah, in the last New few years. New York, because I mean, a lot of them live in New York and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. It was only really when they moved to LA yeah. that it started to be like, oh, I work from home. I'll send it in and, mm. you know, I'll email it in and all that sort of stuff. So I, I, I do think it's probably something that's gradually happened in the last 20 years. Yeah, I'd agree. Ish, um, 20 years. It's interesting. Now, you know, but, you know, there's just so many, there's so much, well, not so much. I, I'm going to have some very firm viewpoints. So, Rich, a couple of late-breaking news items. Um, Invincible showrunner says seasons two and three are deep into production, so that should please Invincible TV show fans. Um, I, f- I feel like two should have been ready. Yeah, ready and rolling already, agree. And funnily enough, as well, this came out on the... Uh, this is Global Punisher Army. Um, so, basically, the, the line that Frank says is a typo. He says, as long... I'm there when the killing starts. So they, they actually... <laughs> so, And it was one of those things where when you read it, your eyes read it and formed the proper sentence, but someone picked up the typo, and uh, that is hilarious. You, you, you would have thought that a computer would have done that. So funny. But, like, this is the much fucking anticipated <laughs> and hyped Return <laughs> of the Punisher since, you know, Marvel have tried to, like, you know... It's, it's, almost, <laughs> it's almost like it was, like... Because he's the ninja Punisher, he was doing like a bad, um, bizarro Asian, uh... <laughs> oh, like broken English kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is hilarious. That is absolutely hilarious. Um, yeah, no, that that's just too funny. So, um, and also, uh, basically, just for weekly comics, my Howard the Duck omnibus Chip Zdarsky has just shipped to me, so I'm looking forward to that as well, Rich. So, yeah. with that note, we're up to weekly comics. Uh, the first comic. This week, can I just say, I was extremely excited to read. I, I thought, I love the Crime Syndicate. You know I love the Crime Syndicate, Rich. I've read the Crime mm-hmm. Syndicate many times in my life. War for War 3. I was like, oh, sweet. So the, you know, apparently the DC heroes or something were going over to War 3. I thought to launch a preemptive strike on the Crime Syndicate. I was like, okay. Um, getting very ambitious was my first thought, but okay. 
Can I just say, this comic was a fucking mess. Um, Like, it started out with the normal beats of the crime syndicate, like Ultraman's kind of pissed off, um, you know, Power Ring's kind of cavorting around, Owlman and um, Superwoman are hooking up, you know, as usual, and, like, you know, Ultraman has the shits. Then it just got worse and worse, and, like, it just felt like it fell off a cliff. The art was just all over the place barely a coherent story, then suddenly we're interjecting these other team in, ambush bugs being called on to do plot breakdown. And frankly, he didn't help. Like, he tried to help, and I appreciated the attempt, but this comic just got worse and worse and worse. Uh, like, I'm, I feel generous. I'm going to give it a 3.5 out of 10. I feel that I'm being generous. This was This was horrible, actually. What do you think, yeah, Rich? And, and I, I, I must be honest. I thought the the dialogue was very juvenile. Yes, I agree. Um, it was not great dialogue in the thing. It was. I almost feel like it was. It was awful. You know, written by like a thirteen year old or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's just yeah. So, a thirteen year old so who's got access to an artist but doesn't know what to do, and it just it got almost uh, surreal, and not in a good way. Like just get away. That I'm, doesn't make I'm sense. also wondering if someone told the. Uh, I don't know if the cover artist is the same interior artist, but did no one tell him that Nightwing's not in this book? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, where was Nightwing? Nightwing's on the cover, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I yeah. got to the end, and I was like, uh, "Where was Nightwing?" This is horrible. He's man. front and center on the cover. This is absolutely awful. I, I felt actually bad that I put this in the show. Um, it was not. Yeah, it was. It was pretty. But can and, I? And Amanda Waller is now a full-on villain now. Like, what? well, she's always threaded the line. Like, no, yeah. no, no. But but Amanda Waller is that person who's the the ends justify the means. Yes, you know what I mean. She's she's technically a good guy, Ted. but her methods yeah. are are just like terrible. But but also it's because it's criminals. Yeah, she's using criminals, so she doesn't feel bad for them she doesn't feel sorry mm. you know they there to help her achieve the goals that either protect america or, or you know what i mean or yeah. whatever but i mean yeah whether or not her methods are disgusting or despicable she's technically always been a good guy this was fucking dreadful man um but now she's like oh i want to be your henchman i want to be your right hand to to help you like why you you know you you worry about being a god but you why? Know, what was um, her incentive? I don't understand. I don't, I, I don't know. I've not read anything up to this, and uh, I was just. I won't it was be. just. It's yeah. I, I I was just like I don't want to read this. <laughs> no, and the only good part in the second half was the part where uh, the their flash came back because she has that thing of being able to animate the dead, which comes from oh something to do with Black the Titans. Yeah, and oh, is it? I thought it was Black End. She has something to do with. There's a DC book where the zombie characters are coming back sort of with partial memories. That's how come she's got the clone of Superboy, who's like a bizarro and all this. I don't know. I don't quite understand it. But I did like when their when they're speedy guy, their Flash or whatever they call him, Johnny Quick or whatever. Uh, Johnny Quick. Yeah. When he came back as undead, it was the one cool moment. But honestly, that didn't save what was an appalling read and frankly one it of the was terrible. worst books I've read this year. Um, terrible. And and it's a strong. And can I say this? This is what I always talk about with Marvel writers who don't know what to do with their artists, writers who have very incoherent storylines, 
that you start to not care. I start to feel like I'm I'm watching I'm reading a surreal comic where the rules don't really apply, nothing really matters. Um, it just it's it's just spiraling out of control. They've lost control of the narrative. It doesn't really make sense. And the only good parts of it, ambush bug with a couple of his comments pointing to the absurdity of what we were reading and made me wish that I was just reading anything else but this. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, it was, it was awful. Um, so I'm actually not going to be generous. I'm going to give it a 2 out of 10. That's fair enough, man. I, I don't know why I'm giving it a 3.5. Fuck it. I, 3. Fuck you. Fuck you, Wolf, for a 3. I'm giving you a 3. Uh, then we had, uh, thankfully, uh, other than that, Dave went to the classics well, uh, Superman, Batman 78, which I only picked because I knew it was a Joe Kelly issue of Superman, Batman, and you know I love Joe Kelly, and I love Joe Kelly's run. I remember buying this at the time. It's really just a fun um, argument between a Batman and a Superman fan about who will win in a fight. And it's fun. Mm. And Ed Bean's on art duties. Um, I've always liked his art. Uh, this is a fun... This is this is the classic argument that Batman fans, you know, of a younger age than us will have with a Superman fan. You know, it's a classic argument who will win in a fight. If Batman has prep time, well, all that. Well, I was going to say, what I loved about this is it showed the ridiculousness of people who who think that Batman is like... Yeah. You know, he's 10 steps ahead of everything. And I just think to myself, has no one ever heard of the the the, the saying of like, no, no plan uh, survives first encounter with the enemy? It's true. Because the thing is, you can't... You can't anticipate everything. He, he, could, he could create 10, you know plans but it doesn't mean superman is going to do what he you know superman yeah. could know that batman's planning and, and decide to do something uh, uncharacteristic yeah to, yeah you know, he, he could have developed a counter move blah 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 like it's yeah. not but i know. just love the kid who's just like oh but he did this and then he would have dropped it in for that and, and oh, he's turned <laughs> step. i was like yeah that's the argument that every batman fan has is that like oh he's he's planned it all it was he fun though exactly like how that person can no no it yeah. was fun but it showed the absurdity of yes like the arguments that the fans get into and how the fans can like super um, uh, uh, get on their team kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Or or give their characters like that sort of plot armor or, you know, do ridiculous things to make the hero come out on top kind of thing because they love the hero so much and they have so much faith in him, but it was fun. It was just fun watching these two kids argue. Yeah. You know, and then I love it with, you can't do that. And like, like, you know, and it's like, I just thought that was pretty funny. I loved it when they were trying to get to the bottom of why they would be fighting. And they were like, they can't be over a girl. And there was a picture of Wonder Woman looking all sultry. And, and Batman's like, and I can't. It was like, oh, maybe a death of Robin. And then Superman goes like, oh, another one bites the dust, yeah. hey? <laughs> you know, it was good stuff. That was a really clever little comic. I mean, Joe Kelly, he, he really was just a master of these kind of like little snapshot fun comics. As well as doing the more serious stuff, and I'm giving it, I'm going to well, give it an eight out of ten. It's it's like he read the the message boards of the arguments yes. and just decided to put that in an issue. Exactly, I'm giving it eight out of ten. What are you giving it, Rich? Yeah, that sounds fair. Uh, maybe yeah, seven point five. Yeah, uh, yeah, seven point five. Okay, then we had Justice League two fifty. This was an interesting one. This was during the Detroit era of the Justice League, which I've never read, but I knew it was the issue where Batman and Superman come back into it, which is why I picked it. It was an anniversary issue, being the two fifty issue. Uh, look, I genuinely enjoyed this. I'd never read this. Um, I know nothing about the Detroit era other than that they're kind of ridiculed. Um, but I thought Batman and Superman coming in was fun. I've just got one question. Why did Superman say, I don't like this guy, but about Batman? I, I thought pre-crisis, him and Batman were best buddies. Like, why 
why was he saying that about Batman? Oh, uh, because you remember, I, this is when this is shortly after Batman quit the Justice League. Right. You know, when he got on his high... Uh, yeah, but high like, Batman horse. and Superman were always best buddies, though. I don't think he said, I don't like him. He was just saying, I don't always agree with Batman, but when he talks, oh. you listen, or, oh, okay. or, you know, when he when he barks orders, you can't help but not... Because like, I, I thought that was more there after Man of Steel, you know, when it was rebooted. They definitely had a much more fractured relationship, you know, that took time to yeah. warm up to each other. So Look, I, I imagine that, that they, their relationship was fractured a little bit at, at this point when Batman quit and sure. basically, you know, because he basically called the Justice League a bunch of wankers. Yeah. And, and, and quit. You For know, the so. outsiders. But then he, he just rolls up and he starts barking orders. Yeah, and I think maybe Superman was just kind of going, you know, like this, you know, I, I, you know, maybe we're a bit on the outs, but when he, you just can't help but like, yeah, pay attention, you know, follow his orders, kind of thing, and all that, you know, because he is the tactician. Yeah, oh, look, I really enjoyed there, this. I thought it was a as lot much of fun. as I enjoyed this thing. There was one glaring. What was I can't it? help but I always seem to spot the what what the happened plot holes. What happened, man? <laughs> so they got this thing that um, that plant uh, that the, the, the gypsy calls Junior. Yeah. who is siphoning everyone's life force, right? Uh-huh. But the thing can't... It doesn't seem to have mastered proper thought yet, right? Right. Um, so how did it know to hit the old Justice League communicator to summon the old know. Justice League? I have no uh, idea. People. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? After I read it, uh, because the when I first read it, I was like, oh, okay, he's summoning the Justice League. But then as you're reading it, it doesn't quite know how to think properly yet. Like it's yeah. only just sort of becoming sentient. So... I was just kind of like, well, if that's the case, if it doesn't know how to be a person or if it, it's just learning to think, how did it know to do that to summon Good point. the Justice League? Which is just, and one last little nitpick. Sure. Because I did enjoy it, but there's just a little did, nitpick. Yeah. They say, oh, Gypsy seems to be able to, Gypsy's powers seem to be telepathically based, so she seems to have shrugged off. And I'm like, uh, Bosch and Manhunter? Why mm. is he on the floor shriveled and dead? He's Good literally point. the most powerful telepath. Yeah, I didn't know Gypsy had telepathic powers. I don't know. So at the start of it, she was in a dream state at the start, yeah? Uh, She was just having a dream, yeah. Right, okay. Look, it was fun. It was 7.5 out of 10. No, it was fun, but there was just two little nitpicks I had where, you know, I just can't help it. My brain just, I always... Yeah, you look for it. I always just look at those. I don't know, look for it, but I can't help but spot little plot holes. Yeah, you're like a proofreader. But... but it's good. I'll, I'll give this also a 7 out of 10. Now, I will say this. Uh, Jerry Conway wrote this issue. Jerry Conway has locked in a date uh, late March. Uh, this month, we're going to have Jerry Conway on the show. Me and Richard interviewing him. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, and I've actually got a question, Rich, about Just League Detroit to put to him. So, you know, uh, he had such a long Just League run that I think a couple of questions about Just League, uh, you know, if anyone has I, it. Can I be honest yeah, with you? I'm one yeah. of the few people that I... I don't mind the Justice League Detroit era. Like yeah. it's not the best, but I, I I enjoyed it. Oh, there's plenty of people who enjoy it. Jeff Johns, for one, is one who enjoys it. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah, we can work on our questions, and yeah, but I just wanted to let listeners know that Jerry Conway has confirmed uh, for late March and early April we're going to have Jamie Mateus back on the show. Um, mm, part and, two, yeah, part two, and as always, uh, in the near future, we will have Chuck Dixon back again, of course. Um, we have more questions to ask for Chuck. Um, I might just get. I might just say, Chuck, just tell me again how you came up with Nightfall. He's like, haven't I told you this before, Dave? Tell, tell me. Again. <laughs> I'd love to, I'd, you know what? I I I would love to get uh, if Chuck Dixon watched the new Batman movie and ask him his thoughts on it. Sure. 
Sure. Uh, yeah, his thoughts are probably they didn't pay me enough. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they screwed me. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm sure he, he watches them all in time, I'm sure. But, you know, it'd be interesting you know, a writer like him who's done so much, um, not, you know, obviously so many comics, but so much Batman. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be, mm. you know, be, be, you've done so many stories yourself and then you've gone and done other stuff and you can't help but, like, when you're watching it, I'm sure, be sort of thinking, you know, about it from a writer's perspective, you know, like the ins and outs of it all kind of thing. Like, it would be interesting. And you'd have your own version of Batman, which is very different from the emo Batman that we just witnessed, you know? Um, oh, yeah, for sure. Chuck's Batman was a lot more functional than old Robert Patterson barely able to string two words together. Um, oh, by the way, uh, something I forgot to say in the review, this oh. Batman has a, a sneak skill of zero. <laughs> this Batman was he's getting got, like, hammered he's by got like... no stealth skills. In fact, he wears noisy boots that when he yeah. walks, they go, clank, 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 clank. And I was like, dude, where's the stealth, bro? You're supposed dude, to be a ninja. He took a lot of fucking shots from bullets. Uh, more shots than I've ever seen a Batman ever take. He was... Yeah, I wasn't. I was not a fan of that. Like, I was not a fan yeah, of He was copying a lot of like, direct all shots. Playing, like Iron Man armor and like <laughs> stopping shotgun blasts and stuff. I was like, come on. <laughs> why not just. Why, seriously, at that point, why not just create like an Iron Man armor and fly around? Yeah, pretty, as yeah, pretty much. If, if you're going to go that bulletproof. Like, yeah, yeah. Seriously. Fly around as and like. Also, a then cover, cover the whole face, too. If you're going to be taking that many shots. Yeah, cover that pretty little face. Allow, yeah, if you're going to allow so many people to shoot at you and just like not dodge it, but just. Stand there and take it. Maybe you should cover the mouth part. (laughs) Now, I'm giving this Just League a 7 out of 10. What are you giving it, Rich? Just League 2. I think I said 7.5. Okay. Yeah, 7.5. 7.5. Okay, 7 from me. Uh, Now, Richard, we come to your pick, uh, which I very much enjoyed this week, although I do have one gripe, which I'll save. Um, Do you want to give readers the 10 cent pitch on The Mighty and what you thought of it? Um, so yeah, so basically the mighty is in the same vein as um, like irredeemable and all that sort of stuff, where it basically takes a Superman archetype mm-hmm. um, and, and and has a bit of fun with it, as if like, what if he's not the hero that we think he is? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So it's not a, it's not like irredeemable where he snaps and, oh, yeah. and becomes a villain. This guy has pretty much he's he's been a villain the whole time. It's just that he's um, he's pretended to be a a, a hero yeah um for like the last 100 years or and he has so. a cover story from the government of like almost like a 1960s style origin but it turns out it's a fake kind of thing yeah 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 oh yeah yeah so there, there's a lot of like uh like red herrings you know what i mean so you you think his origin is one thing and then it actually turns out to be more more superman type origin where he is actually an alien mm-hmm. um he, he's not a, a poor uh seaman who fell into the the, the <laughs> yeah. ocean after the first atomic um uh bomb and all that sort of stuff so it, it's just interesting it's a, it's a it's a bit of a mystery book as well mm. you know because it, it starts off with the the murder of um almost like the commissioner in, in a sense you know the guy yeah. that runs the organization that sort of works under the, the guys the, the main character not main character sorry the hero's name is alpha mm. um and and he has basically an organization that you know is kind of like a police force, but they're there to like clean up the mess afterwards, investigate things, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And it basically starts with his murder. Yes, that's um, right. He turns up at the door, doesn't he? And he can't speak. Yeah, of his second in charge and stuff and all that. And he points at like, so 
he has the like an alpha an A mark on his hand. It's basically like a signal, kind of almost like Jimmy Olsen's watch. Yes, yes. And the first clue there was when he points to the thing. Mm. Uh, because he can't talk because I think he, he like windpipe or something got crushed. And of course the guy he's second in charge thinks that he's he's saying, Call Alpha, I need yeah. help. Yeah. But he was actually trying to tell him This is who did this to Alpha. Me. This yeah, Alpha's don't you know, don't trust him, but again he couldn't speak. So again, it's a, a cool little mystery as well. Do you know mm. what I mean? It's mm. kind of like this cool mystery. You 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 slowly start to figure that something's not right. You're kind of going on the journey with the guy who's trying to find out what's going on and stuff and all that. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, it, it had a sort of um, probably predictable uh, sort of ending. But I mean, yes. it, at least it ended on like a, a, a big bang. You know what I mean? Because um, yeah. you have to remember in this world, this, he's the only character with powers. Mm. Um, and then you finally get like a, a, a superhero fight at the end. Yeah, um, so it, it was good. It was good. I mean, it, it probably could have ended a bit better, maybe. You know what I mean? It mm. was maybe a little bit of a generic ending, but uh, you know what? Three quarters, still a fantastic read. Not the best ending. Peter Tomasi, terrible ending. No, Peter Tomasi as well. Yeah. A writer I yeah. find. Look, I've not read tons of Peter Tomasi, but what I have read, I've honestly felt has always been very solid. You know, um, and I read his whole Batman and Robin run. I've read various other things now. I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I didn't actually know the storyline. I, I, I predicted the guy must be turning evil for it to even be a book. And he was kind of ominous the whole way through. Like, he seemed like a bit of a fuckwit the whole way through. Um, had some really great moments. Like, the, the moment where he thought that the wife was coming on to him <laughs> made me laugh. Yeah, yeah, when he said, oh, it's the same old... Uh, yeah. uh, uh, fuck, uh, was it Tale as old as time. Galahad, no, no, Galahad and Lancelot and Guinevere, and Lancelot and Lancelot and Guinevere. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed it right up until uh, as as it got on and as it got further and further into it, it became very obvious that that basically you know he was a bad guy and um, had designs on the world and uh, like all the little reveals. I really. I was really enjoying it, actually. And the ending, I felt, was I honestly a, just a poor ending. I, very pat, uh, predictable, but, but also just so, like, for a book that teased so much darkness, I would have preferred an ending that was darker. I, I think the book deserved that. I think it teased that. Um, it, but that said, uh, I can't... You know, I don't want to be too harsh on it because I really did enjoy it. And I really preferred it when Chris Samney came on Art Duties, I think, on issue five. I wasn't a huge fan of the first artist. Um, I felt the art really improved with Chris Samney coming on board. But a really good storyline that I felt was a little let down by the end, um, but only because I was enjoying it so much that um, it wasn't that far away from sort of Brubaker material in like Sleeper and stuff. And... It wasn't as crazy as irredeemable. Like the 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 bad guy wasn't, you know, so obviously bad. It was more of a long con he was playing, and I enjoyed all that. Like I actually would have probably preferred a darker ending. That would have actually suited me more than well, this ending we yeah, got. Yeah. So, well, like what, as I said, what I like about this is it's it's not like irredeemable where he is actually a good guy. Yeah. And he snaps because of how he's treated by the lowest character. You yeah. Know, how she yeah, embarrasses yeah. him and. Yeah. humiliates him on like 
you know, national and he, and he goes crazy and, and he just snaps and all that. I like that this guy was never good. In no. fact, a lot of the things that he was saving people from, he actually caused. Oh, yeah, he was 100% you know bad. I mean? He yeah. manufactured his own sort of stuff just to make himself look like uh, the, the good guy. And to take he people. Close... He'd take bodies from wreckages or he, he'd rescue so, someone and replace them with another body and yada, 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 you know? So basically what I'll say is his, um, and this was written obviously uh, before Avengers, right? But okay. his motivation is actually very similar to um, Thanos's, mm. right? So he believes that um, uh, on his planet, right, they were very much like uh, Earth. It was overpopulated, mm -hmm. poverty, war, all that sort of stuff. And his solution was to basically like kill off 80% of the population. Oh, that's and right. And kind of started. And, you know, he was called a madman. And But, of course, people on his, his planet had powers and shit, so they exiled him. Yes, to Venus. And, there was, and well, they were going to exile him to like a... a, 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 a um, to Venus, they said. He said Venus. No, no, no. But I'm, try, I'm trying to think of the word like a a, a, a non-viable planet, like a right. planet with no life. Yeah. But he he uh, escaped on the ship and it crashed and and he crashed on Earth. Mm. So and he saw Earth as very similar to his planet. So his plan was to create people like him, mm. you know, uh, with powers and stuff. And the reason it took him so long is because his experiments were always failing. Yeah. You know, he tried cloning. He tried genetics all that sort of stuff. And that's why he's playing this long game because he's not ready. He's trying to figure out how to create people like him. But as you said, he was going to put like um, genetic bombs in them yeah, so that they couldn't get out of line. So he would be their king. yeah. And so he was going to basically kill off 90% of the Earth population and restart the, the population again with his... Seed. Um, with his seed and, and his modified sort of humans. Mm. And... And so he was actually coming to the end. He was he was getting close to it, and that's yes. when the guy you know figured out all that sort of shit. Well, he did get to the end. In the end, um, the 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 wife and the lead guy did have powers. No, no, no. But so what I mean at the end is that uh, he finally figured it out. So now yes. he was now collecting more people, but he yes. wasn't yet ready to like uh, initially his final thing. But he no. tried to convince the guy. You know, he was like. I orphaned you for a reason, mm. you know, very God into the galaxy. Oh, it was terrible when I put that tumor in your mother kind of thing. Like he actually killed that guy's parents when he was a kid yeah. to try and like mold him because he, he wanted him Which to is be cool. his, his second in charge and all that. And so like he gave him. And dude, I, I reckon the storyline could have even got deeper into it. Like it was, it was good, man. Like I, I really enjoyed it. Like I, I, I'm reading, I read it in, by the way, Rich, I read it in one sitting. Um, so for once in the yeah. history of fucking signal, I didn't have this huge backlog of reading coming into Friday because I'd read, I read all this sitting down. And at first I thought I'll read this over two nights cause it was like 300 and something pages. I thought two nights, read it all in one sitting, really enjoyed it. Thought the ending was a bit pat, but that doesn't take away from the journey. I mean, it, it was one of the strongest books we've done in the last year, I would say. I, I, you know, and I mean, I think they could do a fantastic movie. Or TV show out of this because you could build on. Oh, definitely a know? TV show. I think this would be a really good TV show. Like, yeah, um, yeah, I, I, I agree. It was definitely really wouldn't be a strong. movie. It's it's too much for a movie. There's too much going on. Like, but dude, many, is, like, there, is there a chance of a sequel? Parts, did this come out from DC or was this Image? Well, he he did set it up for a sequel. He did, yeah. Um, because uh, he's not dead. He's just trapped. Clone of the... No, no. Uh, I think uh, he is. I thought he was just trapped. Because I don't know. It ends by showing him in a 
some sort of like membrane thing, and I wasn't sure if that was him or a clone. Okay. Because remember, yeah. he said he was yeah, trying cloning all that. So again, it could be him. Maybe they did trap him in that and kept mm. him in like a coma type thing, or it's a clone. But either way, it yeah, sets it up for a um, a um, a possible sequel. I don't think there will be one because this came out in like 2000. Did it come out via DC? Was it like a DC Vertigo book or was it Image or what was it? I, th- I can have a look actually. I'll bring it up now. I'm not sure. I, I, I thought he was exclusively DC back in those days so it wouldn't surprise me if it came out from a DC imprint or something. So apparently this was uh, Paramount Pictures apparently picked up the uh, we're looking at maybe doing an adaptation in 2015 but nothing's come of that mm. since. Okay. Well, look, I mean, they're looking for material all the time. I, I think you couldn't go, you know, too wrong with it. Um, okay, I'm bringing it up now. Uh, who is the... Mike, it's Dark Horse. Mike Richardson, Dark Horse. Yeah. yeah. So it's Dark Horse Books. No, a really strong title. Um, I, I, I could, I'd read a sequel. Um, Peter Tomasi, uh, like, I've not read... You've read more Peter Tomasi than me. You, you read his Green... How was his Green Lantern call? He he did that, didn't he, back in the day? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. I um I've got a lot of time Peter for Tomasi, him. Peter Tomasi, like he, he's just so solid, man. He's so like, solid, yeah. You know, in he, a good way. Is he necessarily goes like he's not like a Morrison where it's like, oh my god, you know, he's he's just like out of the box thinking kind of thing. But he just he's just his stories are so he gets well. It. Like the the characters are right. Good editor you know, too, man. Good editor I, too. He does very yeah. He does very like character driven. Yeah, kind of stuff and all that, and uh, yeah, it's just it's just enjoyable. Character I mean, driven, but with you know, plots not... though. Plots as well. Plots are you know, I I want a plot that I can sink my teeth into when I read a comic like this. And I felt this did have it. It had a storyline. It had a plot that it wasn't just free balling around. Like I I felt invested. I I wanted to know what happened in the end. I was a little let down by the end. I'll be honest. I, I actually felt it could have had a stronger end, but. You know what? The journey made up for it. I'm, I'm giving it... Get ready for this, which I'm giving it 9 out of 10. Hey, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, really I also give it a 9 out of 10. It's, it, it is good. And you know what? It, it's, it's, it, is, it is pretty dark in, mm. in, in a subject matter. It is. You know? I mean, that scene where, um, that scene where, they, um, uh, where, where they go to the... Where they're building the, the nuclear bomb. Mm-hmm those um I, I think they are oh yeah those guys yeah oh i don't know i can't remember what, the I, terrorists. I can't remember what uh, um they are terrorists but I, but they never really went into they could be islamic whatever anyway they go there and what happens is the um uh the the secondary character who the one who's like investigating all that who is his mm. friend what's i can't remember his name now Anyway, um, he comes running up and 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 uh, he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck it, I'm gonna have to, you know, improvise." Mm. And he kills like all of them except one. Now mm. the other character, he doesn't speak the language that they're speaking, and the guy's been like, "Oh, mighty one, why have you know? Yeah, you're just doing what you told him." He's like, "Oh, he's calling my mother a sub and sub," and then he like he says to the guy, "Give me your hand," and then he crushes his hand. Oh yeah, and the guy's like screaming and stuff and all that. Yeah, now he's talking. He says that, and the whole time you're like, "Oh my God, he's the bad guy." Yeah, and and he's pretending that what this guy's saying is he's giving up his conspirators and all that sort of shit, you know. And then when the guy leaves, he goes, "Oh, you better go and radio this in." Then he just kills the other guy. 
Yeah, no, it was good stuff, man. He's just going to be quiet. So, so, I mean, there are some, like, like, this guy is, like, a dark character. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't see, he's got no problem with just snuffing people out. Like, you know, again, he orphans people. Oh, dude, it's it's dark material, but that's what I'm saying. I felt it deserved a darker ending because... It probably could have used a darker ending, but as I said, you know, maybe... Um, maybe they just decided to like, maybe they wanted to set it up for a sequel. Yeah. Maybe a darker sequel. And, you know, at, at, at this point, I guess maybe they also just wanted to have a superhero battle in it. Mm. You know, have Alpha, who's never actually had to go up against someone with superpowers. Yeah. Now actually having to fight someone who is given superpowers or accidentally given superpowers. Mm. And he's, you know, and he's, he's not... The guy, and, and again, the guy that he's fighting has had military training. Yes, exactly. He makes powers, that point. And, and, and Alpha's never fought anyone with powers. And it was just, it was an interesting fight. I mean, they go back and forth. They fucking try to burn the shit out of each other, mm. break each other's jaws and shit. Like, it was a cool fight. I mean, I give him that. It was a very cool fight scene. Oh, and, and it's a classic storyline. Like, I remember um, there's a storyline where Superman's fighting Ultraman. And he says, the thing with Ultraman is he always killed his villains, first time round, his foes, first time round. Superman doesn't, and so he has to learn more because they come back with new strategies and stuff. So he's having a counter, whereas Ultraman always goes for the kill. So in in the logic of the story, I don't know if I agree, was that Superman has encountered basically more fighting styles and stuff, you know, because he hasn't killed all his villains on the first run through. But um, this was an interesting fight because, as you say, the guy had... Similar power level. I'm not sure if it was as much as Alpha, but around the same. And he did have hand-to-hand skills, etc. Whereas Alpha, it's never been a problem. I mean, he's basically, you know, humans are like ants in strength. Yeah, well, he just has to look at someone with his eat vision and they're dead. What was his weakness? And why was his hand tremoring? Oh, uh, so it had something to do with the the air. Mm-hmm. So because the quality of the earth air is so poor, mm-hmm. um, uh, it actually affects his lungs if he, it, it, you know, breathing it in a lot. Right. And so he has to go into that, like, uh, hyperbolic chamber. Right. That sort of depressures and just gives him pure oxygen. So because there's so much pollutant and stuff in the, the air that the longer he stays, like, breathing the air in, it does uh, sort of affect him. I see. You know, yeah. It doesn't, like, weaken him or anything, but it just makes him, like, sick. It makes him, like... I see, yeah. Um, and then, uh, I, I don't want to spoil the ending, but that gets used, the guy uses that to his advantage to... Yes. ...to, to beat him and all that. So, uh, and I like that they set it up without hitting you over the head with it. No, yeah. You know, it's it, it, it almost becomes a, a throwaway kind of thing. mm until the end, and you kind of go, oh, oh, okay, now I, I, I see, okay, very clever. Yeah, no, no, it was, it was good, man. Like, I mean, honestly, this was um, an absolute pleasure to read. Like, nine out of ten is, I think, a very high score, um, and it was an absolute pleasure. You picked very well uh, this week, Rich. Hey, I, must say. I, have, I have a question. So, have you hmm. read any of uh, Tomasi's Batman and Robin? I've read his entire Batman and Robin. That's actually where I knew him from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I thought that was. I thought that was no, that's what I'm saying. I, I one of the reasons I think Tomasi is such a brilliant writer is I read his his entire Batman and Robin, and I also read Tomasi's uh, Superman Wonder Woman, um, which he did, which I really enjoyed. Um, and I knew he's done he did Green Lantern Corps, and also he had quite a long successful career as an editor. And he was originally, yeah. I, I think, one of the editors of Grant Morrison's Batman, and then he switched to writing full time. 
Um, no, no, I, I, I view him as a very safe pair of hands, uh, Peter Tomasi, and I'm looking forward to the stuff he's going to do with Jeff Johns over at Jeff yeah, Johns' well, I mean, imprint. Yeah, I mean, all of these, it, all the stuff that he's had a long run on, right? Mm. So, you know, um, your, your Batman and Robin, your Green Lantern core, mm. you know, um, they've each just been fantastic runs. Like, uh, just oh, yeah. been, again, solid, enjoyable. Oh, hell yeah. Um, always look forward to reading it every month, sort of totally. thing, all that. So. Totally. And this is why it was a pleasure. When I realised this was Tomasi, which I didn't realise uh, until you said it, and then I was like, oh, well, wow, I look forward to this. Like, what, what he does on a on a project uh, and uh, and the great thing was i knew nothing about it you know i knew zero i started reading i love that feeling when you just start reading a comic he trusted in the creator and you just think take me on a journey and um no i very much enjoyed it man it was it was excellent he had a he had a shortish run on nightwing as well right uh, uh it was only about 10 or 12 issues i think but he had a little he had a little run on um nightwing as well oh yeah well i'd be interested in that yeah, now, basically, um, we're coming towards the end of the show. Uh, next week, in, in preparation for Jerry Conway on the show, we're going to do Jerry Conway Tales of the Batman Volume 1. Um, he's got three Tales of the Batman Volumes out, and I thought it'd be interesting to do. But he took over writing Batman at some point in the late 70s, I believe, um, and I thought it'd be interesting mm-hmm. to do some Batman, considering Batman's on our minds. We've just had the Batman movie. Uh, yeah, and Jerry Conway uh, on that. Um, I also want to mention... Thank you to all the listeners and thank you to the patrons on the Patreon page. Look, if you can support the show, it is much appreciated. I say it every week because I mean it. Anything you can give goes towards show costs. I won't bore everyone, but there's there's show costs, host, hosting costs and stuff that we incur monthly, along with other things. Like I've just I've just renewed our website, blah, blah, blah. Like anything you can give is much appreciated and that's where it all goes to. Um, we're not driving Porsches yet, are we, Rich? We're not rolling around in Porsches just yet, so we're still we we need these patrons to to help us out. You know, there's <laughs> it's a we we we're paying it off uh, very slowly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You may be in the year three thousand. Um, yeah, no. So look, that is much appreciated. Go to um, patreon.com slash signal of doom. Um, for that, uh, look, if you can hit like on Facebook to the Facebook page, uh, check out Legion Outpost. And Dread or Dead, uh, Adam and myself are doing Judgment Day, um, the classic Judge Red story where he teams up with Strontium Dog, Rich, uh, for this story. Johnny Alpha, Strontium Dog. Uh, and we did last week, we did a Legion Outpost. So there's a fresh Legion Outpost up there. And I want to say thank you to any of the Legionnaires who've come across from the Outpost. Where Adam, I, I give Adam, I hand Adam the keys to the outpost, frankly, and I say he can run the outpost because I'm off conquering the world with Signal under my banner of blood, as you know, Rich. <laughs> and uh, I let him, he, he's in the 31st century, he can do what he likes, I don't really, I don't really mind. I, I chime in occasionally with my comments about Superboy and Crypto, you know, that, that, that's basically, <laughs> basically as far as it goes. Oh, I do want to mention before we go, I've kept reading World of Krypton, the Robert Vendetti book, and I'm really enjoying it, Richard. Um, and it's got Michael got Michael Oming on art duties. Like I know you don't. I don't understand why you don't like it, man. Like it's not. Well, we'll say this: it's not telling you anything you don't already know. <laughs> it's all the same old, the same old stuff. Like Jor-El's fight fighting to save the core of the planet. Zod's causing trouble. I, you know. As a, as, I just don't care. Like yeah. I, do, I just don't care about Krypton. I just really don't. I, I do like not Krypton. care what. The people were up to on Krypton before it exploded. Why? Why well, they're up to all sorts of stuff, I, man. The I Thor just, beasts. I can't care. Sorry, man. I just can't. 
You just can't do it, can you, man? You just can't find it in yourself to care about Krypton. Jeez. I can't. Well, I care enough for the both of us, and um, and I've I've read four issues, and I'm and I'm really enjoying it. Um, they should put it out in a like hardcover with some other stories, because then I would probably get it. I wouldn't get it by itself, um, but if they could put it together with a like a Krypton package, you know, of stories like the Last Family of Krypton, the the Kerry Bates stuff, you know, I'm just well, wishisting now. Can I just say, the fact that the Krypton TV show failed, I think I'm not alone in that no one oh, cares. <laughs> dude, you know me. I stuck through that show because of Lobo. You know- I know, but you were like one of the few people that did. <laughs> yeah, I know. And the sad part was I watched all of those episodes for Lobo and he was in them and I was complaining about the accent, but I did enjoy the Lobo other than that. And then they fucking cancelled the Lobo show. I was just gutted. All that work I did, you know, to stay up to date with Lobo, and then they cancelled the show. I, I actually felt like a sense of loss. I was like, oh, but I did all this research. <laughs> I can't believe they haven't done a Lobo movie yet. I just find that fascinating. I, yeah, they should. Uh, but, but like, if they did a proper Superman movie, you could have Lobo in it. Like, there's so many options no, but, with Lobo. But, but Lobo is a character that just works by himself. I mean, think about it. Look yeah. at the success of Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Yeah. That's a that, that, that's a, 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 an IP that wasn't massive, right, in, yeah. like, the comic book world. It, no, it, it was, had its fans. It was, it was tiny. It was I, I, I certainly enjoyed it. But, it, you know, but they, they made a good movie. Mm-hmm with fun characters. And I think like Lobo is the same. Lobo is that character where you can put him in space, right? He's a, oh, yeah. he's an intergalactic bounty hunter and you could have a lot of fun with it. It could be Fuck like yeah. irreverent. It can be just fun and, and violent and totally over the agree. top. And it doesn't have to be tied into like Superman no. uh, or anything. You can have him show up later in maybe other movies, but I'm just saying as a character, he works by himself. He's so awesome. Be so awesome, Rich. I've been saying this for as long as you've known me. I, uh, look, I've beat the Lobo drum sometimes solo, fucking solo through the decades, and I'm glad to hear someone's finally agreed with me. What Richard's saying is some of the greatest stuff Richard's ever said on the history of Signal, and um, and he's just put that off the cuff at the top of the at the end of the episode. And I mean, I'm one thousand percent behind you. If I sound exhausted, it's because this show's been going on for about seven hours, and I've been talking about Lobo since 1990 fucking two. Um, uh, Richard, you're 1,000% right. And frankly, if you ran for president under that banner, I'd vote for you, frankly. And, um, and someone should, yeah, Lobo, Lobo. I mean, that's how we're going to end the show, man. Like, with a big fucking ad for Lobo. And I do, don't forget the collective. We've mentioned in the demons, you've got Into the Night. You've got Ghost Spider Groupies, which are really growing on me, the Ghost Spider Groupies. You've got Capes and Lunatics going crazy, uh, with Lilith and Phil, and uh, Charlie, and as well... Well, they are lunatics. They are lunatics. They're wearing capes. Um, and I'm going to be on Ultimate Spider-Cast soon with Ray and Phil. Uh, I don't know if anyone else is coming on, but uh, we're going to be there doing an issue of this Clone Saga stuff, which I'm just digging. I, I had such, I had a whale of a time on that show. Probably too much fun. You know, they probably had a bit too much, Dave, that they could handle. Like, I was freewheeling, man. I was like, I was on someone else's dime. Uh, and I was just freewheeling. You know what I mean? I was just knocking back shots, delivering hot hot comments. And I think at one point, Phil's just like, to Ray, like he did the cutoff signal, like cut off, cut off. We, we, we're losing Dave. <laughs> we're cutting Dave out of this conversation. <laughs> Bit too much Dave uh, late at night. Well, hot takes are the best takes. They are the best takes. And they're the only takes we do at Signal. 
Uh, on that note, I want to say thank you and good night. Good night. Good night.